Podcast like a motherfucker. Welcome to Amazon Podcast, episode 53. This episode is going to be about giants. And here today, I have the one and only Casimir the Swede. Hello, live from actual Sweden. Actually from Sweden right now. So that you're the actual Swede now, not the Belgian Swede. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm also joined again with uh, Alex, Big Al. Big Al. Yeah, I love it. That love sounds it. so American. Big Al. I'm, I'm, yeah, North American, let's say. <laughs> um, yeah, nice to be back. Uh, I've been uh, pretty eager to come and tell you guys about how my models and my uh, my hobbying has been going. So yeah, so we so yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit about that. We're also gonna be going through the, some of the Giants supplement stuff. And yep. uh, then at the very end, we have a special guest on to talk about some dwarves because we had actually had some mail for once. Someone actually sent us an email, which doesn't happen very often. So I thought we'd devote a whole segment so, of the uh, show to it. Question: Was it Tommy Tucker? It wasn't Tommy Tucker. Oh wow! Okay. So there's actually two people who listen to the podcast. Oh. Epic. Hey, that's <laughs> that's that's doubling the numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're doubling our numbers. That's key. <laughs> So yeah, I thought we'd do a little bit of that. So uh, this so this one is going to be about the large things and the small things. Oh, <laughs> all the small things. <laughs> all the small things, true care, truth brings. So welcome back to Amatime Podcast. Um, this segment is going to be about dwarves. So for that reason, I've got everyone's favourite short, little, stumpy, angry man, Fraz, on. Hi, Fraz. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome. Always good to have you on the show. Um, so, Fraz, we got a bit of an email from someone asking us about some dwarves, and I thought you'd be a good person to uh, get on the show and answer the email. So let me just read it to you. So it's from a guy called John Jeffrey Mellard. I'm not sure where he's from, um, but he's writing in English, and his English is pretty good. So I'm guessing from the States. Well, he's got, you know, alliteration and two first names, so immediately we can't trust him. <laughs> so he says... Um, So he says he's been listening to actually Amatime and Madgit Radio and the Fantasy Wargaming podcasts. He wants to know what it is about dwarves that causes so much hate. He says he doubts it's 
entirely down to the kind of player which runs them, because obviously yeah. you dwarven players are, are great people. Um, so I presume it's something about the playstyle or the way it influences their opponent's playstyle. In addition to this, is there something a dwarf player can do to try and ensure they don't get disgruntled or unhappy faces staring across from them when when playing a game? Um, he says he doesn't play it very often, and the last thing he wants to do is have an opponent not enjoy the game before they've even started. Uh, so he has a dwarf player. I yeah, he, he is a dwarf player. <laughs> so is that is it alright if he's a dwarf player and he's got alliteration in his first names? Let's go for the year. <laughs> so what, what what would you say to to John who's uh who's asking about how to play dwarves without being a dick? Well, I, th- I know where he's coming from because in every pretty much every tournament in the UK you get the same kind of joke cracked, and over your five games, somebody will crack the same joke in the UK where it's <laughs> well, you play dwarves if you go to a tournament. You ruin six, uh, six people's weekend. The five people you play in your own. <laughs> and like every every tournament you play, somebody will say to you when you you bring dwarfs. So I get I get where he's coming from. Where I think people um, don't like dwarfs, I think some of it's a hangover from uh, eighth edition, where you used to sit in the corner and you shoot everyone off, and they'd be dead before they'd really rolled a dice or anything. Um, so I think I think that is where it stems from, but the people kind of are slightly contradictory sometimes when they moan about dwarfs. It's my personal opinion because they'll moan. You you'll get the same person who'll moan, "Oh, dwarfs should be slow," but then they'll turn around and moan that you're not pushing at them, <laughs> or are they they'll moan about, "Oh, you march nine, you're not slow." And again, they'll moan about you uh, then making a charge or something, or they'll moan about you vanguarding. <laughs> uh, like they'll, they'll contradict themselves, but I think the main thing is the ruin system is probably something that puts people off, because I know it puts me off demons, is all these ruins and you don't know what they're doing, and you need to keep asking. I think the book doesn't really know what it wants to do, which I think is a problem for both players, and that you can't really go out and push. But when you sit in, you're not probably doing enough damage because obviously gun lines aren't fun for anyone. So you're kind of just sitting in a standoff in some games, depending on your list. So I think, so I, think I think I think what we should do maybe is is go through some of the themes of of dwarves and talk about firstly why why it's not fun to play against this thing and then secondly maybe why people see it in the wrong way is what in the wrong way would that make more sense yeah yeah so i think the first thing that we're kind of talking about is is the gun line so i i i just like playing against dwarven gun lines because it it's it's quite a boring way to play it's either you run at them and just destroy them or you run at them and more more often than not you get just taken off by all the shooting that they have. So what what would you what would you say to that for us? Yeah, I, I understand that one. Um, gun lines aren't particularly fun for anyone, but uh, I, I don't know how good 
dodge gun lines are anymore. Like you, you don't really see kind of mixed arms slash gun line lists. You see more the MSU and Vanguard lists there. Yeah, def- or, definitely. But uh, but in in general, if someone comes up against yeah. or someone's thinking about running uh, a gun line for dwarves, what would you what would you recommend to them, both as a player who's playing against it and a player who's considering running it? Um, if you've got a Vanguard unit, I would probably run at it and stick the Vanguard unit in front of the organ gun or whatever, and just let it die. And then it buys your turn to run at it. Yeah. Um, and you might have a bit more success, but yeah, I understand that gun lines aren't fun. Uh, so if you're a dwarf player and you're taking a gun line, there's there's other things you can bring in the list. You can bring some special deployment, uh, etc., where you're actually going out and making a bit more of the game rather than just putting a unit you know, deep watch that are 2,000 points and then some war machines. <laughs> That's not fun for you, so why are you bringing it? Yeah. I think something like your list is is a bit of an exception because you have the Seekers, which is maybe another thing that we could talk about. But it's it's kind of a gun line, but it has a lot of combat as well. So if you want to run a lot of shooting, then maybe think about running it in a bit more of a mixed arms kind of way. Yeah, I certainly think you can take... I mean, you, you have to take shooting right because you have no magic missiles, so you're going to need to take some range somewhere. So... When you do that, you don't have to, to take the kind of typical there's two shield wall units that you can't touch and if you run at me, I'm going to shoot you and then you're going to have to fight these like really grindy units. You yeah. Can, you can take out a couple of units seekers, maybe one vanguards and you can put pressure on and you can come out of the corner. I mean, you're, you have to play secondaries, right? So sitting in the corner doesn't work. Yeah. For sure. Um, so the, the next thing that you alluded to was the the magic. Um, when when dwarves bring magic, it, it can be really good or it can be really bad. I find, like sometimes you have those phases where they just don't roll the the dispel on the two dice or the three dice. Yeah, I, I think with the dwarf magic system is that you know bend spells are a wee bit boring. Um. I think the Rune of Revocation is really good. Um, for, for those that don't know, maybe you could explain what it does. So Rune of Revocation dispels last one turn spells on the unit, and it dispels the next spell cast on the unit. So you can use that in a proactive way or a defensive way. Uh, you can use it to stop a magic missile targeting your seekers if you're against Pyro or whatever. Um, so I think that's quite good and that one comes out and plays the game a bit more because you've got options because it's a universal spell yeah. there's other ones kind of rely on you I wouldn't take magic unless I've got like a big block of greybeards or something like that because it really kind of forces you down that playstyle which is a bit again touching on the boring I've got this 2000 point super unit you can you can touch and I think that is possibly a design issue yeah I would agree I think I think that's probably the next point I would have is is these like big units with all the characters in that you just can't fight and if you if you fight them then you have to everything has to get in at the same time or they'll pop the hold stone even if you charge them in the flank or the rear and just they just don't care about getting charged and 
it's like two thousand or three thousand points that you're just never gonna get. So what yeah. what would you what would you say about those kind of things? Um, well, I think the whole zone could probably have its own section. The amount yeah. of yeah. that gets. But um, yeah, the thing with the dwarf characters are they are quite tanky. I think they get overestimated in how killy they are. Um, I think people give a lot of respect to to dwarf king that it's not you know it's not a vampire or anything. Uh, but when you have these movement three characters and your dwarf kings you know it's the same price as a dragon almost if it's on a throne yeah so having this super unit okay it's points denial but it's also frustrating having 2,000 points that eats 300 points of chaff in a game (laughs) so So, as as you said at the start it's not fun for you and it's not fun for your opponent it's not and it, it, it ends up boring for both players and then I think that's the other thing is dwarf characters are really expensive and they are really hard and then that that is again maybe where the book is a wee bit design issue because if you've got a 700 point king you don't want to put him in this really easily killed unit because he's not got the manoeuvrability where you can move a dragon out of a line of sight or you can move your cowboy out of line of sight yeah. he's going to be he's going to be there um, and people are going to move around you and they're going to get the charge so that is where the the two hundred two thousand point units come from. Yeah, so I think the I think the solution to this, from a design point of view, is to make them cheaper, like by two hundred points, and make them less kill less killy and less killable, eat more no, more easy to kill and less killy but cheaper. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Because then, because then you don't get like two thousand points sat in one unit, and it doesn't become a, a non game. Yeah. Well, um, if you take um, a BSB, a, th- a Throne King, and a Runesmith, uh, that's you on like 1400 points. You add in the anvil, you're on 1600 points. And three of those guys are going in the one unit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if you've got 1600 points, you're going to put it in a safe unit. Yeah. So, yeah, if, you're, if you reduce the cost there, uh, maybe make them less killy, and then I think that benefits both players, to be honest, because you've not got this, uh, like I said, 2,000 point unit doing nothing all game, and they're not looking at it like, oh, I'm just going to have to avoid that for six turns and give it some chaff. I think it works both ways. Exactly. And um, and what would you say to people who uh, are building units like this, not not just stop building units like this, but is there anything else that you can do with your character section that's a bit more interesting? Personally, I just run an engineer now um, and take as little as possible and try and go a bit more MSU or more units on the table. Uh, the, I think part of the issue is that the core tax in the dwarf book is really high because uh, greybeards are the same price as uh, Deep Watch, and if you take a great weapon, they're actually more expensive than Kingsguard, and the crossbows are the same price as the Rangers. So I think that's also an issue where you get these super units um, because you can take them from core. They are very similar at the same price as the special units, but you can take better shooting. You can take your war machines out of special. Um, so I think this is where you get these issues. Is It's in the design. 
So if you get the core tax, it lets you build this big unit because twenty five graveyards are like seven hundred points. Yeah. So I, but if I, I if you if you're gonna build a, a list, then if you're trying to avoid these kind of big blocks that that we don't want to see. You, you you could just how would you how could you change your core setup to reflect that as well? So I, if I was to try and avoid big units, I would I would take I, I wouldn't take the magic. I wouldn't go near the magic if you if you don't have one big unit because you're only getting one spell a turn. So you can take things like minimal engineer. You could take a cowboy king on the throne, which has become quite popular in Spain. A lot of Spanish guys are running that. Um, so you've got like a one-up re-rollable or a one-up four-up king. Uh, he's got six wounds and he's just going to sit there and grind down a unit. Uh, you've also got, like, you can take the rangers and take them with skirmish. You can put in thanes in there uh, with breath weapons so you can go out and play the game a bit more because they get light troops. So you can do other things, but I think it, it goes back to the magic. Uh, if you if you don't take the magic, you can do more fun things like single things, ambushing characters with the rune of kinship and the press weapons and stuff. So there is there is options. I think the the king out on his own is quite interesting because we we talked to we talked a few seconds ago saying that well if if you're taking like a really expensive king, then you want to take a unit to protect him. But what yeah. you're actually saying is you don't necessarily need to do that and you can actually just run the king out on his own. Yeah, the the issue is he's obviously moving nine. So what I've seen in the Spanish list is they'll tend to have a ten-man unit with a standard and the rel- relentless banner. So you can move him up nine, turn one, and then pop him out 15, turn two. Yeah. Okay, so... That is an option, and he is obviously really tanky, and if you are really worried about him getting flanked, which you probably aren't, you can take a whole stone on him. Oh, the king can just take it on his own? Yeah, it's it's like a special item, it doesn't even come out of your (laughs) magic cards. So, for for those people who, including Alex, I'm sure you're listening to this, having no idea what a holdstone is, what what is a holdstone? It's probably one of the best items in the game. And it's not even an item. <laughs> no, it's it's thirty points. Thirty points. Yeah. It's thirty I points. I knew you were going to react like that. <laughs> okay, carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So it, it basically means that if somebody charges you in your flank, um, you ignore the the bonuses for the flank charge, so you don't get flanked. Big flank. Um, you can also make support and attacks. Oh yeah. So yeah, basically the only, means you, only you have down, no flanks or rear. Yeah, so you, the only drawdown is you can, if you break the unit, you can chase it. But I mean, that's not really a big sacrifice if you're saving yourself. Yeah, I've I've been in, I've been in situations before where I've forgotten that the that they have a holdstone and I've charged like the charged them in like the rear, and they're going, oh yeah, I've got a holdstone. I'm like, fuck. And then my units died, and I've lost the scenario and everything. So it's it's also one of those like things like if you forget it, then it makes a big difference. Yeah, like there's been times where I've uh, deliberately gave flank charges to someone because I've got it in a spear unit, and they charge me, and then I'm actually getting more attacks because I'm 
uh, deeper than I'm wide. <laughs> sporting attacks. So yeah, I'm actually, you, if you're like eight, if you're eight, eight deep and five wide. Yeah. So you actually get more attacks. My God, sneaky dwarf tricks. Um, I, I mean uh, the whole stone. I think the whole stone again is another thing that's quite interesting because obviously it's there in the book to try and encourage people to come out the corner. Yeah. Um, but then it gets all the moans as well. So it's another one. You know, the kind of, it's a bit, it's not great design, obviously, it is pretty powerful, but it's there to try and stop people moaning about you sitting in your corner, but then it gets moaned about anyway, a bit <laughs> like March 9 and yeah. stuff like that, and the Vanguard. So I think the problem is, I don't think the book knows what it wants to be, and I don't think people know what they want Dwarves to be, because yeah. the moans contradict each other. Like, they can have the same person moaning about same thing same thing yeah so I think there's there's a lot of other things in the book as well uh, that at least I, I get a bit frustrated with one of them is is the whole shield wall and devastating charge mechanic yeah yeah I actually had this discussion with Andrew from Madget uh, during the week and uh, it, it rewards you for both plays, which I don't think is is right. Yeah. Um, so again, I, again, for the people who don't know the rules, could you explain? So you, if you're a dwarf, you get plus one strength and AP if you charge, but if you're charged, you get the five up shield wall. So that's an Aegis save. Yeah. So you get a five up Aegis, whereas if you charge, um, you get a six up Aegis instead. So you always so get then, a six up Aegis. Um, so you get the six up pages if you have a shield. If you have a shield. Regardless. If you're a dwarf yeah. and have a shield, you get a six up pages. Yeah. As well as the normal shield stuff. Parry, extra armour. <laughs> <laughs> and then you I get... I feel like you're leaving me in a trap here. <laughs> and then you get a six up pages if you charge. And if you and you yeah. get the extra strength. And if you don't charge, you, that's an increase to a five up pages. Just on the first yeah. round? Just on the first round, yeah. Yeah. So either way, it's like you get a devastating charge, but it's almost like a, a, a devastating charge reaction, or I don't know, but you get basically a bonus for either. Um, again, this is this was obviously added so people weren't just sitting there taking their shield wall all the time. Yeah. But I totally get that that's something that's, again, I think this is a design thing. I think it's something that obviously frustrates people because I'm getting rewarded for either play. Yeah. Effectively. So um, just what one thing to add to this um, is is there much point do you think in taking great weapons when you can take a shield because obviously if you don't have a shield you don't get this bonus. Well, when was the last time you seen a forty man brick of great weapon warriors? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, everyone takes grey beards with shields or warriors with shield and a spear. Do you get the shield bonus when you have a spear? Yeah, so you you get the shield <laughs> off and get parry. Okay, so you but you get the shield the five up shield wall even if you have a spear. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what's so what's the downside? To taking a shield. No, to being a dwarf army. Dwarf. Um. Obviously, and I, I think this one works both ways the movement phase is 
um, it's quite difficult. Your your movement's free, so you can. I've seen people put down their door farming deployment and kind of knowing they've lost already because of just deployment because they're not going to be able to counter things. Uh, I'd say that's the main one. The other one is the the units themselves. The reason you see a lot of dwarf characters, the units themselves don't put out a lot of damage. So people buy these characters and put them all in one unit so you've got like a really high damage output. The dwarves themselves just last. Yeah. And, and this, this is bringing me on to my next point while we're here. Um, so not only do dwarves have these shield wall and all this, but the whole army is at least resilience four, and they all have heavy armor, even the war machines. So, yep. so a lot of the units have resilience four and a three plus armor save or a four plus armor save. So even when you're shooting at them, they, they don't die very easily. So I think my my, ne- my, ne- my next point is that like you see so you, you're telling me that I can't I can't go in there and fight them because they have either hold stones and they're not going to run away. They have a shield wall and I'm not going to kill them, and they don't they don't die to shooting very well either. Um, I don't know. There is there is armies out there that outshoot dwarfs, and especially when you add in a magic phase. Uh, I don't think dwarves are amazing in the the long the long game. I don't think they're in the top tier there at the ranged game. Uh, but yeah, they are obviously quite a resilient army, and I think dwarves. You know, we all have read other fantasy genres. Um, dwarves are resilient, and they are decent armor. I don't think that's an issue. I think the issue is, like you say. Some people go into a game and they won't have a way to play against dwarfs. And I don't know how you, you address that. I think with the dwarf book, I think you're going to have to need to rip it up and forget um, like Warhammer dwarfs. Yeah, just, I, I agree. I think dwarfs are, are going to be... I think they're a bit like Sylvan Elves, right? The game has moved away from them. We've moved on to secondaries and avoidance is frowned upon, gun lines are frowned upon. I think both books, I think they're the two big books that will need just totally redone. And everyone knows what an elf is, everyone knows what a dwarf is, but you've got you've still got a lot of movement there for both books, and I think they are two books that you need to redo. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the dwarves especially is something that, and, and the silver elves actually, as you say, is something that, they definitely need to look at again and and kind of start from scratch. Yeah, I mean, I think the way dwarves will end up going um, once they get their own book in ninth is they'll maybe be a bit more uh, combat orientated because, like you say, they're raised for the heavy armor, probably with a shield. Um, so they are resilient. Um, so when the book and obviously the shooting isn't going to be as, as powerful as it was for dwarfs so when they look at the new book they're they're going to need to just totally redesign it and look at a way to make dwarfs to be able to do that while still being slow and the other characteristics that you associate with dwarfs like no magic missiles or whatever yeah um, and I, I do accept that some games 
and he had it. I mean, war players don't like sitting playing a stalemate either. Um, and I do get that they can force standoffs, and they're probably the biggest army that can, or the best army at forcing a standoff. And you will see that a lot in team tournaments where dwarfs are just taken to sit there and get seven to thirteen points every game. Yeah. And and in team tournaments, I think you will see those lists. I think in singles, people are moving away and trying to play dwarfs differently. And yeah. I don't know if you agree with that or not, because I know you you've got your your view of dwarfs. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. Um... But uh, let's let's say if if you could if you could think of a way of changing the dwarves, the, let's say like the sturdy or the shield wall rule, how would you actually change it? Uh, right. So obviously, obviously, we're just going to take away shield wall to start with. So if you take away shield wall, you could do something like uh, you you kind of. Put me in a position here, you? So, Alex, yeah. here's, a, here's another another little thing for you. Cause, you know, so you you understand how shield wall works now because we told you, right? Yeah. So if you have a hold stone, your right. shield wall works in all directions. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so it's it yeah. just safe for everyone. Everyone all around. Yeah. Sorry, Fraz, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so you could give something like a uh, rune crafted armor, where you ignore the the first pip of AP. So. AP, say AP3 becomes AP2, and you just get rid of the shield wall. Yeah. Uh, and then it's not as frustrating that, you know, a 5 up is quite swingy, especially in an Aegis save. Yeah. Um, so that people can calculate it easier. Okay, I'm basically, I'm strength 4, so I'm going to be AP0, basically. I'm going to get a 4 up save. Yeah. Um, so you can do something like that. Um, so the dwarves are still resilient and I mean dwarves are going to need to be able to take a charge yeah. um, just because of the, the movement and they're most likely not charging so something like that rather than than a shield wall because um, it can still be ignored because you can still put a monster in right uh, and okay monsters just now they don't they storm so they don't mind so that's not a good example but you could still put in like a unit of dread judges uh, and I'll realise, oh wait, a third of my, my wounds are going to get saved. Yeah. Instead, instead, I've just got a six up. Yeah, I think I think uh, something like that would be would be better. So if you take that away, I think sturdy sturdy could be changed. Um, I still think as a dwarf player, you need to have a reason to to go out and and push out when you're moving three, don't you? So you can't you can't be too punitive on study. You're still going to have to get some kind of bonus because you know 15 inches away from me, that's a double six. I'm going to need a reason t- to take that. Yeah. I'm not going to just start throwing double sixes out every turn for no reason. Do you, do you think dwarves should get advanced four? Like tunneling, 
Yeah. Um, so you could get something like that. You could maybe give uh, miners something more akin to underground ambush rather than coming on from the table edge. Yeah. Because so at the moment, if I'm sitting in the corner, I'm going to bring my miners on somewhere you can't get them. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Because if you give them underground ambush, there's a reason that I'm going to push out and hope my, my miners come on and kind of pin you in. Because I'm, I'm going to have to try and pin you in, otherwise you're just going to get away from me at moment three. Yeah. Uh, so there is things I think you can do with the book, but I do think it needs to be just totally moved away from legacy. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. There's a lot of things in there that could just be changed, because and they're just there because of legacy. So the the, uh, ne- the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, the gyrocopters. <laughs> yeah. So the, one of my pet hates is is the gy- is gyrocopters. I hate playing against them. They're like one of my least favorite units to play against. Um, how many how many points is a gyrocopter for us? Uh, for one, it's one hundred and eighty, and I think for two, it's three hundred and thirty. I think. So that, let's let's start with one. <laughs> so. I'm, I compare this to an eagle because it's like the closest example that I have. So compared to an eagle, you you lose one pip of advance and march. So instead of instead of eighteen nine, it's eight sixteen. Is that right? Yep. So compared to an eagle, you get plus one resilience, which is the be- the best stat in the game. You get a four plus armor, and you get a gun that shoots. Is it four strength five shots? Yeah. All for 80 points. <laughs> so for me, I, I compare it to that. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah. Know, I know that dwarves don't have much in the way of chaff, so it's like needed in some way. Well, I, I don't think... I don't look at copters as chaff at all, because, I mean, again, this is going back to the movement phase, where when people are moving away from you, I, apart from gyrocopters... Going out and chasing down units is a massive problem. So I'll take copters to to go and get soft points or to chase down. If I get, say, a unit down to three guys and you turn them around and start marching them away, uh, or you've got light troops units and all my shooting's unwieldy, copters are the thing that I think need to be in every list. Um, I, I agree. I agree. And I think it's down to movement and no offensive magic this is the one unit in the game uh, well, in the, in the dwarf, dwarf book, book yeah. um, that, that lets us try and go out and do things that other people do through magic and if I take two sets of two copters that's 660 points for um, 12 wounds uh, it is, it is it, resilience 5 wounds with 4 of yeah, but it's a lot more than your magic phase to try and do things you can do with a couple of magic missiles and the the thing with the copters as well is like they go up every single iteration that we get an update and they (laughs) they'll drop points elsewhere and it's almost always the case where the points go up uh, down in the list as much as the gyrocopters go up okay and that's uh, so dwarfs just don't don't go anywhere because why why are you going to drop the copters? Yeah, I just I just find them like really underpriced for what they do. I mean, obviously I'm comparing it to other books, 
But I, yeah. I, know, I know what they do is kind of what the rest of the army can't do, something that's fast, something that's reliably killing things by, at range, but it's yeah. like a really big pet hate of mine is how cheap they are and how much effort that you have to do to get rid of them and how annoying they are for your opponent. Uh, if I started playing, what, well, like two and a half years ago or something, uh, maybe less, and I think they've went up like 60 points since then, so... <laughs> Too right. Yeah. Uh, so they, they are getting more expensive, they are going that way, but I don't think there's ever going to be a point where you don't take them. No, they, they, I understand that they are really essential for the list and they do a lot of things that you that you can't necessarily do, but I, what, what would you say to someone, firstly, who is bringing like maybe a list that has like six of them? Or to someone who is trying to play without them? Um, if they're trying to play without them, uh, I would I would be looking at... I'd, I'd probably be looking at Rangers to try and pick up Skirmish Rangers. Um, because they're, they're light troops and you can move it and you're still hitting on fives and you're still strength 4 AP1. Um, I think to play without them... Personally, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't bring a list without at least two copters, probably more. <laughs> um, and if you're playing with, I think there is. There's a list going about just now. You can take up to the maximum. You can take is five copters. You can take two. You can take three units of copters, but only two can be of one variant, and the third one has to be. So if you take two copters, you need to take a a, a unit of bombers. So you can take five because you can take two units of two and a bomber. Yeah. Uh, but then you can take two grudge busters. And I think that's one of the more interesting lists for dwarfs just now because it does let them go out and play. Yeah. Um, and I think that list is probably one that, maybe not because you've wondered about copters so much, but one that your opponent might prefer to play. Uh, okay, some of your points are going to be quite hard to pin down but at least you're not just sitting there looking at each other for three hours and boring both here <laughs> that's true that is is i guess it's a more interesting way of playing yeah i mean the, the, the problem is i suppose is you would just take 150 point dwarf units and flee every two seconds and then you become more like a, a skin cloud than a dwarf army yeah um, but it is a way to let dwarves come out and play more and it is a list that I've used and I, I think it is a good list so uh, what would you say is the the most fun way of playing dwarves and also the the most fun list to take to play for someone else to play against dwarves um, personally I think the vanguard list is the, the most fun it's the one I enjoy the most but I don't know how fun it is for the other player having 50 seekers and a big block of greybeards move 21 inches before you've moved a model so maybe maybe before we go any further I think this is one thing that we haven't discussed is is another unfun thing when you're playing against dwarves is when when you have 50 unbreakable models that that don't run away and that get to kill you before they die so uh, like I think this is like one of the the key 
things right now in the meta that's not fun to play against, especially if you're an army that has no range damage? Yeah, I, I think um, I think Seekers are probably one of the, the one of the units in the game that promotes more fun though, because you can have answers to Seekers, you can take them down at range. Again, they're, they're moving three, they're highly chaffable. Um, and if you've got Seekers, the Dwarf player's more likely he's going to come at you. So, I don't know if... I get your point, if you're maybe playing Warriors, and you've, you've taken Alchemy or something, and there's no way to deal with them, it's not, it's not great. But I think Seekers do play the game more than other Dwarf lists. Okay. I mean, how if if you were if you wanted to help someone who who's playing against seekers, what would you say are the tricks to beat them? Um, they're going to go down to any light shooting, any magic missiles. They're highly chaffable. Um, yeah, so I think they're the they're the two main things. If you're going to fight them, uh, just try and maximise in a way that's a bit janky and get two units in uh, and split the death blows between two units or split the attacks between two units yeah uh, I think a few th- a few ways of getting around the seekers is as you say chaffing them and if you have a vanguarding unit to block the vanguard yeah so, so seekers don't automatically vanguard but if you're fighting uh, seekers or vanguarding um, like Play. You've been trying out the Reavers recently, Henry. Yeah. Literally two units of them, and the the high elf players won the game because they'll come up, they'll stop your vanguards. You can't charge them turn one, and then you know, however many sea guard, the queen's guard, and pyro are just taking you off. Yeah. Even div, div's really good against seekers. And uh, I think the other thing as well, seekers kind of lose out a little bit to impact hits. Yeah, chariots and orcs and all that stuff. Uh, is just going to make a mincemeat. Yeah, because because they don't get the death blow to impact hits, right? Yeah, correct. So I actually find uh, ogres is like a really swingy game, and I find ogres the hardest to predict how the match is going to go against, because obviously seekers ignore their hereditary, and they're they're really good against ogres in general. But if the ogre player gets you charged and he rolls well and his impact hits, then you, you've not got enough bodies there to take them down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, impact hits is definitely, definitely something to to use against them. Awesome. So the last question I have for you is, um, how do you how do you write a dwarf list that's fun for your opponent to play against? Uh, you don't take sixteen hundred points of shooting and nine hundred points of war machines. That would be the obvious thing. Yeah. Uh, I would probably avoid taking the big super unit. Um, Nobody likes playing with it. I personally don't like playing with it because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything apart from keep its points. So you're not really playing a game. You're you've set up the game to to be a nothing game by writing that list. Um, Vanguard, if 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 you're wanting to just roll dice and have a fight, Vanguard's obviously the way to go. And I would try and get 
dwarfs are typically not got a lot of models on the table. Um, getting more units on the table and having a bit more tactical or a bit more of a tactical aspect about the game uh, and having more fights or more options to flee that that gives you and your opponent more to think about uh, so rather than just going oh that's a big unit I can't touch you've got a bit more of a tactical aspect to the game if you've got more units some can flee rather than just taking the big 2000 points of fearless greybeards yeah I think for me I would just say, don't take lists that are just doing one thing. So, if, because if you, if you come to a tournament and you're accepting that you know you're going to be playing like a random set of players, if you're only doing one thing, there's going to be some games where you come up against an opponent that can't deal with that one thing. As we talked about, something like Warriors with Alchemy just can't deal with the seekers so if you have loads of like if you go too far down the seeker road then then they're just not going to have a fun game because they can't do anything in the same way if you take like all the shooting and you have a an army that can't deal with all the shooting then again they're not going to have a fun game and if you take uh like all the big combat blocks like just three big combat blocks that no one can touch you come to an army that can't Touch those combat blocks is just not going to be fun. I mean, there's there's less going about just now where I think dwarves are in a position just now where we don't have a, a netlist per se, and people are trying a lot of different things at the moment. Um, we've got a kind of the MSU list, like the MSU core, and some shooting, and we've got the Vanguard list. But apart from that, there's there's other lists out there where people are starting to try and run. A mass amount of units, so like five or six units, and just marching five dwarf units at you. Um, and that seems to be doing quite well in Spain. Um, rather than just taking one super unit that doesn't do anything, you've got five units there. You're going to get into combat with five units. Nobody's going to be able to chaff five units for six turns. Um, but none's a super unit with a D3 Runes King and a Triple Lightning, BSB, and five Breath Weapons or whatever. So there is, there is ways, I think, of writing dwarfs. I think the problem is that the book just doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah, I agree. So um, I think we should uh, finish on that. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on the dwarves? Um, can we get our book done quicker? <laughs> uh, Alex, how about you? What's your uh, impressions? As we've been, as you've been listening to this, as a as a completely new player, never played dwarves before. Yeah, never played for with or against them. Yeah. Um, I think it sounds. That's why I asked the question. So, like, what's the downside of of being a dwarf army, right? Like, because it sounds like if you want to stand in the corner, you have all of the tools available to do that and just blast somebody. Yeah. To smithereens and. <laughs> The thing with sitting in the corner is um, an experienced player will will know to sit off and just take secondary and win 13 or, depending on the secondary, lose 7. Um, it's, it's when people start running at gun lines and it, I mean, that's the same with Empire, right? So if you run at Empire, you know I'm going to 
get in there and smash them or I'm dead. So that's not exclusive to dwarfs. No, no. I think that's a, that's a general thing for for gun lines and lists at corner. Yeah, and yeah, I, like, I guess I guess my whole my whole my whole sort of what I'm trying to get at there is that is like what what's really. Uh, I don't know what's the fun in a, in that, you know. Um I guess winning is fun. And and I and I can appreciate that, but I just kind of feel like um you know, if you're if you're playing a game like across a whole tabletop where you've got this entire field and you know, it's about sort of miniature battles, uh you know, like in the in the sort of medieval fantasy era or style, you know, um you know, maneuvering and and fighting is, is I guess what I would think would be a major part of that. But I suppose like, you know, if you have comet, you can just keep dropping comets on top of them. You know, yeah. you can, Yeah. there's all kinds of stuff I guess you can do if they're just going to stand there over in the corner. Shamanism's another one that's really good against dwarfs. Just a- AOE striking, like, yeah. Spell striking is probably pretty good, and yeah, the other things are like like dwarfs really struggle with a hard target uh, or skirmish, and um, you can't catch it, and the shooting's unwieldy. Uh, and then the, the two biggest phases in the game really are movement and magic, and dwarfs don't really compete in either. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, so, definitely. I think that's why they do lead to standoff games, and I get that that can be boring. Um, I do think it's blown out of proportion based on 8th edition dwarf, so. Yeah, and also just in general, people just hate little short angry men. <laughs> but who, who reads fantasy books and goes, oh yeah, those elves, they're really cool guys with their arrogance and their pain in the arseness? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Henry, Henry I don't know, like, know, dude. Don't know who would do that. <laughs> I know they need to get checked into a mental hospital. <laughs> it's probably true, to be fair. <laughs> not, not gonna lie. <laughs> so, are dwarves Jews? <laughs> um, I don't know. You next time you meet a dwarf, Henry, check if they've got a foreskin, and that'll answer your question. <laughs> I'll take a picture for you. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I think that's that's uh, that's as good. Um, thanks so very much for coming on. Cool. Cheers. Cheers, man. Sorry if that was a, bit of a monologue. No, no. It was. I think it was really good, actually. I found it quite informative. If Alex enjoyed it, then it's good. <laughs> So first up, let's uh, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby. So Casimir, uh, what have you been up to? Yes. Yeah, so since I've been in quarantine, I don't really have access to uh, like all my uh, painting stuff right now. But I did manage to find you know what, what I could do. So what I do have is I have my airbrush and my specific airbrush colors. 
so they're like way too thin to paint with normally, but they spray pretty well. So I've been uh, I painted up a set of terrain for uh, Warcry, which is uh, like a smaller scale uh, Games Workshop uh, skirmish game, I guess. Uh, so I did like uh, it all in a kind of uh, stone to uh, turquoise green fade, and uh, well, that just what, added what some kind of, What kind of terrain was it like? So this is like a uh, ruins. So it's a lot of like uh, very standard corner ruins. Um, okay. If you so so it's made for so that you can kind of climb up on them and have fights both on top of the ruins and below. So basically, it's all kind of gray stone, and then there's some uh, metal gratings and stuff and some spikes and so on. But I'm pretty happy with how it turned out, given the fact that I didn't have much to paint with. Cool. And you're using the airbrush for that. Yeah, exactly. So I sprayed like a gradient, so I had it all kind of black, and then I sprayed from above with uh, grey, uh, first dark, then lighter, and then from below with uh, turquoise and then green. So it kind of fades from light grey to uh, to green at the bottom. So what, why would you, I mean, maybe it's because you only have those paints, but why would you use turquoise and green for stones? <laughs> So the idea from the beginning was that it should be like a little bit mossy, uh, the feeling, but in the end, I mean, there's still, I guess, a little bit of vibe of that, but in the end, I just wanted it to be a change in color, because if you just spray gray and you don't have any colors to like highlight the wash with, it gets a little bit dull, like it all looks the same, right? Yeah. So then the idea was just that if I just add another color, it gets looks a lot more interesting, even if it's not supernatural, and it kind of fits with the... Uh, you get like a in the game box. You get like a cardboard mat uh, that is, uh, yeah, that's like a game, uh, like a game field to play on, and that is kind of turquoise. Uh, the stuff that's on the mat, so it kind okay. of fits. Okay, so it kind of fits in with that then. Yeah. Awesome. Is it, is that yeah. all you've managed to do? Uh, no, I also so I also uh, pulled up some of my vermiform stuff. Uh, I built a doom wheel and I sprayed the skin on an abomination. You so built you built a what customer? Oh fuck, uh, Dreadmill. I do have a, I do have a beer. I'm actually just gonna go grab the rest of the beer, but carry on. Yeah, so so I I sprayed some uh, skin on the coat layer on that, and that's I mean it's pretty fun, but it's a little bit weird because it was uh, I had already sprayed it in a light color with a spray can, and then I had to try to make like a gradient from the dark places to the light places on the abomination, which you know. Is weirder than you would think because when you spray dark color into a recess, you need to really be careful so you don't spray it on the top, right? Uh, so it's uh, it's a little bit fiddly, but I think I, and I haven't done it that much, but so I think I managed to do it pretty well. Do you like kind of hold it at an angle? Uh, yeah, yeah, basically yes. But then uh, you know, like uh, since it's not a very like it's not just uh, straight up and down, so you can't just spray the entire bottom in one color. It's more like finding the nooks and crannies where you want to spray the darker color. Okay. But because you can't like dry brush it in the same way, like you can kind of dry brush it the raised areas, I guess. Like the yeah, like the the, the spray does that pretty well, but uh, it also like depends on how controlled you want to be. You can do like a just a top down, like from far away, then you get basically everything that's raised. But if you want to try to, for example, like highlight a pectoral muscle or something, yeah. and you want to have like a darker on the bottom of it, like that's beneath it, and then a lighter on the top, then you need to be a little bit more controlled with what you're doing. Okay. 
so that's kind of what I've I tried to do, and I, I think it turned out pretty well. But I'm gonna add some more color to it later when I get access to my paints. Cool. And then the the final step was that I I, I also thought like, what can I do if, with the least amount of investment? And uh, I picked up my dwarf army, so that ties into uh, <laughs> the next part of this uh, this episode. Uh, because I, I've had like this uh, dwarf army with out of print uh, metal models that are, is like quite old for a while. I picked it up really cheaply of some some guy many years ago. I never did anything with it, but uh, but I opened it up and I realized that I can actually play up in ninth age since the uh, unit sizes have gone down a little bit for dwarves. Uh, I can actually play a pretty nice army without having to buy lots of stuff. So essentially, I bought like uh, contrast paints. So I bought skin color, uh, beards, and uh, <laughs> no, like, beards is uh, like the troll slayer stuff. Uh, so what's it called? The orange. Yeah. And uh, for for all the seeker beards, and then I bought just some metals, and I basically just uh, put some base layers on uh, twenty five of the seekers so far. Okay, so you're basically just doing a contrast dwarf army. Yeah, essentially yes. Like uh, just as quickly as possible without really caring much. How how uh, how liberating is that for you as a really slow painter normally? Yeah, it it is quite nice where I like you know I can look at these twenty five molds that I actually didn't paint like put that many days into or you know uh, nights into painting and it already looks like a full unit which is pretty spectacular compared to how long it takes usually. So uh, are we going to see you playing dirty dirty dwarves in the future? Oh yeah, maybe. I mean, I do like literally the reason I want to play the army is because I want to have seventy five seekers. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, and yeah. then you fill core with marksman that shoots perfect so Alex having having had a little conversation about dwarves how do you feel about this sounds like Casimir really wants to be the lamest guy at the tournament <laughs> <laughs> I mean to me I think that the, one of the most appealing parts of playing dwarves is that it's all infantry so and the reason I say that is twofold. Like the first thing is that it, you can transport it really easily. And uh, my previous armies, especially the Undying Dynasties, were like such a hassle to transport. Every model was had spears sticking in every direction. It was really fragile. And with this dwarf army, everything is metal. Everything is a single piece. There's like nothing that breaks. You just you know chuck it in a shoebox or whatever, and then you could go. You could go on an airplane or wherever it is. And the second part is that the game, you know. We play a ranked game because we want to have units, right? And a lot of armies kind of move away from that by being monsters and cavalry and stuff like that. And so I find it quite appealing to play an army where you actually have infantry units that like look like an army moving around. Okay. So basically what you're saying is you're trying to make an excuse for playing with the stunty dwarves that are broken? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, I, I think the important thing is that he's really thought it through, right? Like, the argument seems really well fleshed out, and um, and it was convincing. Um, Somewhat. But, but, but I couldn't help but tune out uh, at a certain point, again, having had this conversation that we've had before, so now I feel... Now I feel like... Somewhat qualified. I feel like the, the, the community's general sigh when, they, when, when you hear about dwarves... Uh, and now I have this like somewhat understanding of it having not faced it but like Casimir the next time you're in Copenhagen you know um, bring your dwarves so I can see the paint job but um, we're not going to play against each other <laughs> with that you can, yeah if we're playing I can borrow Henry's army and stuff yeah you can put those to the side and then we can have like a fun a fun afternoon together but 
just short bearded cheerleaders. <laughs> I mean, I do have to. I think I do have to, um, like, play against them uh, so that I understand it. Right? Like, I think that's one of the things being a new player um, that that I would definitely like to see more armies before I, you know, jump into a tournament. Jump into a tournament, and I'm just like, I have no idea what that does. Ah, <laughs> it ruins me. Cool. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, that still happens to me because I mean, in every scene, there's you know some people or an army that's not really being played a lot. So it does happen that you meet stuff even when you've been playing for a while that you've basically never seen. Like unless you invest like lots of time and like play on UB and this kind of stuff. Where I mean, I think we went to a tournament in the UK and I played the Infernal Dwarves for the first time ever. And I mean, I've heard a lot about them, but I, I never actually played them because there's almost no armies in Denmark. Yeah, no one really plays them in Denmark. Yeah. I think that will change now with the new book coming out soon. Yeah, hopefully. So, um, Alex, what have you been doing in the hobby? Oh, man. You've been uh, doing fucking loads. I've been grinding. I'm so impressed. <laughs> So, um, as a new dad, uh, I can't, I'm not allowed to do any of this stuff in the daytime, uh, or in the early evening, but, uh, once my, once my seven month old goes to bed, I am free to Daddy's re- hobbying. Retreat, retreat to the office, uh, where all of my minis are hiding and, um, just start grinding out some paint jobs or some glue jobs. So like... Glue, glue job sounds a bit provoking. Um, <laughs> a euphemism. It's provoking for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so far, what it what it looks like I've got is I've got like twenty eight warriors, which is the stuff that I'd already had done previously, right? But it's like with two different command groups, so it works out to twenty like a block of twenty five that I can potentially split into like a fifteen and. Two times fourteen, right? Two times fourteen, or something, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I've got ten, what are supposed to be chosen, uh, chosen warriors, sorry, um, and they've got the sort of great weapon slash halberd look to them. Yeah, uh, the the, arm, the yellow armor is really nice. Yeah, that's the yeah. I sent you the pictures of them. Yeah, so they've got kind of this like yellow, yellow armor look, orangey yellow look to them with purple highlight, um, which I finished as well. Um, I did this, um, this like demon that I basically can use as a hero character in general. Yeah. Um, like a, on a 25 base. Yeah. So he could be a sorcerer, could be a chosen lord. Yeah. Basically yeah. like, yeah, one of the yeah, 25 base, just basically anything but like a barbarian chieftain, I think on that yeah. sort of level. Um, and he looks pretty cool with like a massive axe and like he's he just looks like he looks like the front man to like a heavy metal band like i, I kind of yeah. think of him like he's like, like glenn danzig or something like that you know i'm just like yes what what's the model that you use it's a games workshop model right yeah it's he's like an exalted Deathbringer or okay. something like that um, yeah it's like a, a corn hero i think yeah 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 and he's like yeah he's really rock and roll and um then i have like what I basically consider to be a chosen lord that I did. He's like, 
you know, uh, has a big spear and uh, a bunch of armor. And he's, he's like the classic Games Workshop chosen guy in plastic. And he's right? got like a yeah, he's got yeah. like a demon head with like giant horns. Uh, and he's like on a. Is it supposed? It's supposed to be a base for like a war uh, dais. Yeah, exactly. It's a war dais base that I also built. Like I kind of um, Henry gave me like a couple of these like platforms that he had just kicking around, and I like. Uh, I lay, I raised it up on a, some PVC pipe uh, that I had sitting around, like some just some some uh, plumbing pipe that I cut, and then uh, built like a, a dirt mound around it. Put a bunch of spears in the ground, uh, you know, glued some shields to it, and put a bunch of tufts in that cracked dirt that I have going. And then I also like uh, drilled like a magnet into it, so I can put different units on there if I want. Uh, or different uh, characters on there, if I want. Yeah, so it's like a 50 by 50 base, right? Yeah. And it builds I... up on top of a rock with like a, a platform. Yeah, exactly. So like a stone yeah, platform. So then that, you can use that as like a war dais? Exactly. Exactly, yeah. So I built that as well, which was nice. Um, and then I've also built um, a bunch of barbarians that are Games Workshop Marauders. Um, and yeah, I've, I kind of stretched them. Maybe Henry thinks a little too thin on my, uh, <laughs> on my filling <laughs> unit fillers, my unit fillers. <laughs> unit fillers. I mean, you were, you were the one that was like, oh man, you can make it to 40 with those guys. You just need to like put one on each unit filler. And so I, I, <laughs> I like put two on most of them and then he's like ah it looks a little, a little empty I'm like oh man I guess like, you, I pretty much you did need, what you, you told to, me like you can put like one guy in a big base but you have to fill the base with something <laughs> yeah, yeah I put a bunch of like, like pillar classic, rocks and more stuff more rocks more trees stuff like that yeah yeah so, so what, what you actually did is you added some like pillars right yeah basically I, I, I took some like like uh, like ionic pillars yeah um, that were sort of um, they're like broken segments and then they're made out of plaster or something and I took them outside and smashed them with a hammer <laughs> um, so that they're like so that they're cracked into different pieces and so I have some I have like one that's sort of stacked sort of like you would find at a at a ruin somewhere where like uh, you know there's some stuff gouged out of the the joining segment segments and then I have the cracked ones basically looking like they're buried in the ground so I have them turned sideways and stuff so Hopefully it makes it more like they're in a, in a ruin. Yeah, um, I think I think it does. It's quite effective, but I think it's quite low. So something that you should try and strive to do with your unit fillers is give height to your unit. So actually, I think your ward dais conversion, you could actually use that quite effectively as a unit. Excuse me, as a unit filler, because mm. you could put it in the middle of the unit and put one of the guys on it, and it gives height to the unit. So when you look yeah. at a unit of infantry, it's usually quite flat, especially if they don't have spears or anything. So if you if you add a bit of height to the unit, it makes it much more dynamic. Mm. But what you've actually done with yours is you've actually made them like lower, yeah, because you've like created space in the unit. Because what you see is like one guy and then some ground. So something that you could do like with your pillars, you've put, put pillars around. If you did like one pillar that was like really tall, that was like a complete pillar. Then it would like offset the like the space in the unit because it would give it height, yeah. Rather than like making it shallow. Hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and like trees are very good for that, for example, because they already like if you get a tree model, it already has quite a lot of height, and then 
if you have branches, it can hang over the rest of the unit or stuff. Uh, for example, Henry Lusses uh, Beastman does this really well. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I, I was, I've been thinking about getting some trees in it, but it's just that I have this sort of Badlands kind of... You could get some cactus? Vibe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, some maybe like some cactus. Big, big cactus. It's like, my worry is just that I get one and then I, and then I end up not liking the style or color yeah. and then I'm stuck with this thing I, that I'm I like, think the, I, think the ro- I think the rocks is actually quite good. You could get like a uh, 50 by 50 and just make like a rock column, like a quite a tall rock. Uh, if you look in the night scroll, Mm-hmm. A few issues back, there was a guy that made some terrain. Like he did like one of each of the terrain types, and he made some like rock columns by doing like discs of rock on top of each other, and like a like mm-hmm. a pile that as he built it up, it looked really cool. Something yeah. like that would work really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I have some ideas, and and I ended up ordering like eight more barbarian minis that are like uh, much more like custom style minis from Hassle Free Miniatures. Which has nice. like a bunch of these like really like dynamically posed and like interesting looking characters and and so I'm I'm I haven't basically what I've done is I've held back on like finishing the bases for these guys uh, for my for my barbarians because I, I just kind of think like if these ones show up and I can kind of squeeze them into some of those spots they might look it might look really good or. Uh, yeah, maybe I was good. I actually had had the idea of sort of putting them on these little mounds. You know what I mean? Like, especially yeah. like the special looking characters, because some of them are like pretty thick. You know, like they're pretty like <laughs> beasty, like super Conan the Barbarian type looking characters, right? Like compar- yeah, some some of those you got were like that they they've been hitting the gym and eating the protein <laughs> oh yeah like, it's like if the marauders if the marauders that i that i got uh like the games workshop marauders that i got to be my barbarians are like bodybuilders these guys are like world's strongest men you know like <laughs> it's it's like oh my god and this one's from hustle free miniatures right yeah so I got like four of these like super beefy beefcake dudes and then four of these barbarian women with like axes and stuff um, and I just thought like the ladies would be nice to um, just to have like some some women in my army to be honest. Like <laughs> I just kind of felt like oh my god. I also got like uh, like a priestess sort of sorceress character that I'm thinking might be I might use as a as a as a caster. Um, it's a spell caster. Like she might go on the battle shrine or something like that. Because cool. um, nice. Just kind of something to you know mix it up uh, a little bit. Uh, what's your plans with the with the like with the babes as you call them? <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, you mean for my rock and roll stage? Yeah. Yeah. So I had this idea to like make my battle shrine basically like a medieval fantasy rock and roll like like stage like a, like at a concert or something or like at a festival. Um, you know, and it's like it's. I think it's one of those things that, like, I almost imagine, like, Guar or, um, or Tenacious D or, uh... <laughs> I've been to a Tenacious D concert. <laughs> or, like, Amon Amarth or, like, somebody, like, coming up with this, like, super extreme, like, rock fantasy situation that would just be super crazy at a, con- at a concert or a festival, right? Like, they're being carried out on this huge shrine... And they're rocking from the top of it with like pyrotechnics and like, and like some gorgeous ladies in the background. You know, like it just—I just, just kind of had this 
thing in my mind like the giant battle axe is kind of like a guitar you know and, <laughs> or or like a mic stand you know that he's hanging off of and i just kind of thought if i could find some like some female models that like really fit with this that either look like slaves or like um characters that are going to yeah like they're basically in the rock in the rock situation they're like groupies but in the battle fantasy uh game situation they're like sacri- sacrificial characters right like they're characters <laughs> that they would sacrifice you know on the you could just use a culture or something <laughs> yeah exactly sacrifice them. um <laughs> Uh, and have, so you, I, have you had a look at uh, Reaper miniatures? Because they usually have like a lot of uh, diversity, I guess, in like what kind of miniatures they sell. Um, I've I've seen some Reaper stuff just at the shop, um, but I wasn't like really happy with the like with the cast on them. But maybe yeah, no, the, the quality is in general like a little bit lower. But you can uh, you can find I mean if you're not looking for like a centerpiece mall you can find like a lot of different things you know you don't have to buy a unit you can just find like some special character like a uh, model in a way such as I'm pretty sure they would have like a rocking barbarian for example with yeah, a guitar with actually it with a guitar <laughs> yeah I mean that would be hilarious because then I would put like I could put a band together you know what I mean like there are lots of drummer <laughs> drumming characters there's Get some guitars. And I'm, I'm trying to think where I've seen a guitarist character. And I'm 100% sure I've seen like a demon with a guitar recently. Okay. But I can't think where I've seen it. Because if I could, basically if I could make a battle shrine that's like a huge rock and roll stage, I think I would totally do it. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. I mean, and if I can have, if, if there's enough, because the battle shrine like base is so big, like I might even be able to have a place to hide like a battery to like put some LEDs in the <laughs> <laughs> like the platform and stuff. So if, if someone knows where you can get um, rock and roll uh, chaos guys with guitars and stuff, please let us know. Send us an email to amatimedk at gmail.com and uh, I can pass on in that information to Alex. Yeah. I'm sure, 100% sure I've seen one with a guitar somewhere. I mean, you're just fishing for more emails, aren't you? <laughs> well, we've had one now, so... Uh... Uh, why not get two? I mean, if we get two, we're doubling our email. Volume, so... yeah. Doubling our content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you send us emails, then I have to do episodes. I mean, oh, okay. imagine, if we, imagine if we got to the point where we had to address uh, all the emails. One email every day. In, in each episode. Or, or, yeah, like, one if, email if, in every episode. If people send me daily emails, I'll do daily episodes. That's a, that's a, oh, wow. that's a live agreement right there. Oh, my God. That's hardcore. Uh, I'm excited. Even if it's a monologue. <laughs> you can probably get me on the phone later at night. Yeah. After my kid goes to bed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so then I've got that done, and then I've uh, now glued together ten uh, Warrior Knights. Um, which are starting to look okay. Um, I think they look a lot better in photos. Like the photos I sent to you guys today yeah. to show you, like the first, like the sort of I, the first guy is kind of has his first layer of um, contrast paint done, and then the other guy is almost done. I'm almost done the first layer of contrast paint. And when I was just sort of looking at them in my hand, I was like, oh, I don't know. But then once I looked at them on the on the camera, I was like, oh, you know what? They're actually all right. Like. <laughs> sometimes you need that though like it's the it's the same thing with uh, sometimes I, I try to nowadays I didn't do that much before it's like just put the model in like kind of bad lighting like turn off your desk light and stuff just put it on the table because that's what it's <laughs> going to look like at the tournament you know? yeah put it in put it in bad light and then have a look 
Yeah, yeah it's like, like, it looks very different usually. I mean, I need to do a little bit of wash and highlight and and I think it's fine. And But I was like really, I was kind of like, you know, I painted, I decided to sort of paint all of this, all of the, the contrast paint on the first one, like all the way through just to sort of have a look at it, you know, before I committed completely to the color, color scheme yeah. uh, and then end up like, you know, halfway through five models and then decide I want to re redo it. Um, I thought I'll go all the way through this one guy and, and actually I think it's all right. So, so yeah, I'll have 10 nights. Uh, I made out of those 10, there are two musicians. Um, and I only made one bannerman because I thought I may not need like two full complements of banners and nights if I split them. And then if I don't have two units of five, then I can have like a unit of eight or whatever without having like two musicians in the, in the yeah, group. Yeah, I think musicians, if you're going small units, musicians are probably what you need most. Yeah, like the banners, I wouldn't go for a banner on a, like a unit of five. Like no. you probably want to go up to yeah, seven plus or something. Yeah, exactly. Champion is okay. Yep, yeah, because the champion gives you extra leadership, so and it also lets you put a mark on the units. Extra what, Casman? Uh, 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 oh, isn't it leadership? No. No. Discipline. Ah, oh, damn it! And also, it's not a mark; it's a favor. Yeah. So uh, double up there. Zing. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> glug glug glug. Have, have either of you got onto the UB craze right now? What's no, that? not me. UB is like a online Ninth Age game. Okay. So it's like a platform where you can play Ninth Age online over like a server. Is that the one that you've been talking about where it's it's sort of top down? Yeah, exactly. Quite flat. You know, I, I haven't I haven't gotten into it yet. You you've played some tournaments like that, haven't you? Yeah, I played a uh, Chronicon, and right now I'm playing social distancing. How did the Chronicon go? Pretty good. Um, I ended up with 60 points, huh? which nice. is okay. Like my last game was like fucking stupid. What did you play? Uh, I played um, I played uh, orcs and goblins with three units of nine trolls. Just because you can play whatever you want, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I said to him, I was like, have you been playing this the whole time or did you just switch to this for the last game because you can choose whatever you want? And he was like, yeah, I just switched it for the last game because I could choose whatever I want. <laughs> I wasn't going to win the tournament. I was like, ah, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, but it was, it kind of went down to like one combat with the Swordmasters. Mm. And um, I think that there was like crazy dice both ways to be, to be fair. But basically, like, my unit of Swordmasters did, like, three wounds on a unit of Trolls. And uh, the reason was, uh, I mean, I rolled badly, but the magic phase before, I wanted to cast Flaming Swords, of course, and I wanted to cast Awaken the Beast. And I miscast on both spells. Oh. And, uh, yeah, just one of them, and it and it did the, the Fizzle miscast on both. So I didn't, I didn't cast any any of the spells and I didn't get any of the dice back. That's not usually what happens when you say you miscast onto spells. Yeah, it was like a triple two and a triple three, and the triple oh. three was the one where the magic the miscast is reduced by one. So both went to fizzle, and that meant that meant that the spells not cast, and I lost all three dice. Yeah, and that happened like two 
on both spells, so it was just like, ugh. yeah, ouch. So it, yeah, I got a bit fucked because of that, and then the dice didn't help me in the combat, and that meant that I it was a ten end of the ten ten instead of like a, a small win to me. So I think it, I think, but in general, I think the tournament was really fun. I played like uh, a lot of Americans, and all my games were really good. I had a lot of fun playing, so I think it was a great tournament actually. How do you find the dice when you play on the UB? Like, um, is it uh, better or worse than when you play normally? And it's really disgusting. fucking weird. <laughs> like UB dice is like a thing. Okay. Like uh, maybe they have some weird uh, number generator. Yeah, the algorithm is really strange. I think it's really swingy. Like, if you have bad dice early on, then you have like really good dice later, and mm. I, I'm not really sure how it how it works, but it's definitely not like. Rolling dice on the table, but it's really fun right now. We we won our first round in social distancing. It's like a team tournament, and right now we're playing against the Spanish team. Um, You're playing with the Irish, I assume. Yeah, with yeah with uh, James from Team Ireland, um, Fraser from Team Scotland, and Jordan from. Uh, I guess, all the podcasts. I get yeah, all the podcasts. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's it's really fun. Uh, I have my game tomorrow morning against the Spanish team. I'm playing Vermiswarm again. Cool. It's a, I think it's an okay matchup. Hopefully I'll do well. So you switched back from the uh, Sylvans because you're not doing it C or? Um, well, I switched to Hibernals because I was doing ETC and I've, since then I've I've been sticking with Highborn Elves, okay. but this will be my last tournament with Highborn Elves until next year. Because I want to, I want to play Beasts and and Vampires and, uh, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, hobby-wise, <laughs> <laughs> have you been buying anything, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! My girlfriend's in the room, so I can't say too much. No, but we, we got a delivery from Mercia Miniatures yesterday. Um, Alex bought uh, Exalted Herald. Yeah, he's awesome. Nice. It's like one of the flying demon guys. Either dual wield or axe and shield. Yeah, I think it's from like the Inferni. Uh, it's the really big guy uh, or with horns and shit. Um, yeah, medium, medium sized guy with wings. Oh, wings, okay. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I got a, a guy from the Inferni as well with like a big axe that I'm going to use as a Doom Lord in my Warriors army. Nice. And uh, I also got like a random monster that I'm probably going to use for Beasts, but I haven't decided exactly what for yet. <laughs> Solid purchase? <laughs> yeah, it was like, it, I like this model. It's half price. I'm just going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's cool. Um... I bought uh, some stuff from a company called Figon Miniatures. Okay, I've it's, never heard of those. It's a, it's a French company, and they're they're like a, it's more like D and D type stuff. Okay. So they have some the the miniature range is really really nice. Like it's really 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 nice. Like really high quality. They're like a little bit more expensive. I think I paid like fifteen euros for a character. 
rather than That's like ten euros or something from Games Workshop. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe like, these days they're a bit more expensive. Games Workshop characters are like twenty-five euros, to be honest. Okay, so yeah, it's been a while since I bought Games Workshop models, but yeah. So for me, I thought it was like a little bit expensive, but I, the quality is really nice. So I got like um, an elf character, just because it's really nice model, and you I got uh, <laughs> and I got a, a centaur, a centaur character, because I'm right now I'm building like a centaur list. So are you gonna get all the lists or lists uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like right now, it's I'm kind of going for the flavor of the month, and the flavor of the month right now is centaurs. <laughs> And I, right now I'm on uh, 15 centaurs <laughs> for this month. <laughs> How many do you get an army? I think I need about 50. F 50? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> wow. And they're not even from core, right? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So that, that's kind of what I'm building right now. I'm like uh, putting together centaurs in my spare time. It's, I'm converting them out of um, Wild Huntsman stag horses. Yeah. And Games Workshop uh, Beastmen bodies, like torsos. Yeah, it's a good uh, good combination. Yeah, it, lo it works really well. I'm using like the hair from the huntsman and the ears from the stags. <laughs> oh, so they get like these. Uh I, I guess dough or dough ears. Yeah, exactly. So it look. I think it looked quite cool, but it's. Yeah. Uh, it takes me. It takes me forty minutes to um, prepare one of the stag bodies. So it's quite time consuming. Yeah. But it, I think the conversion looks really cool in the end, and it, it's like the only Games Workshop models that I'm using in my army. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna be worth it because there's not that. Like there's no really good centaur models that on the market that you can buy for a unit in bulk. They're, like there's some characters, right? But you can't get fifty of those. Yeah, exactly. That, that was the concession I made. I was like, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna use so many centaurs, then I'm gonna use the models that are available rather than buying like the expensive ones. Yeah. And what else did I get? I got um, I got some Lord of the Rings models. For what? For Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, what? Why? Uh, I just thought it would be like a fun beer and pretzels game to play at some point. Okay, cool. Like a lot of the, a lot of the guys who I'm talking to are playing Lord of the Rings. So, how big is the scale that they're playing Lord of the Rings on? Because I, I mean, I remember, you know, I was like, like in the perfect date, I guess, for when the movies came out. So I, I had some of those models when it was like a really small skirmish game in yeah. the beginning, and think, then it I turned into like same. a battle game and. I think it's the same. I think it's like um, someone sent me a list, and it was like twelve cavalry. Oh, okay, so so inf there would be maybe like twenty or twenty-five infantry dudes, depending on what you. Yeah, buy. yeah, exactly. I, I got okay. some. I got some elves off eBay. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds uh, very reasonable. Yeah. They're a bit like I think that but... that's what you want in a in a side game. Like you don't want to get into another massive. Major yeah, game. yeah, exactly. Like I, I say that I don't want to get into it like crazy, but I've I've spent about five hundred kroner or something. Yeah. Uh, that's not so much. Yeah, and I, I figure, I figure it's like a, a project for me to paint at some point, and 
Yeah, just more more models in the cabinet, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean you're gonna get first you need more cabinets, and then you're gonna <laughs> have to get a bigger apartment to fit all the cabinets. One step at a time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm also building my um, battle shrine for my warriors, which is a mammoth that I've converted from actually from a Lord of the Rings uh, mamakil. Like I chopped it up, put it on a. Uh, 50 by 100 <laughs> it's like it's walking a tightrope I love it <laughs> yeah it's like the most knife edge ball ever <laughs> what can I squeeze onto a, a chariot base <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, I've also been building my Kestra Knights my Silver Knobs I now have 8 of them like all fully converted awesome which this guy right here. So you have, a, or do you have what? Like you have four painted already, or did you not have any? I I had four before, but they were sprayed, and I built four more. So now I have eight, but okay. none of them are okay. painted yet. I see. Uh, yeah, that's like a must-have, I guess. I also I also uh, built six skin wolves from Forge World to use as ghasts for my vampires. Mm. They they they're turning out quite well. Um, with all my vampires, I'm doing like like silly conversions killing empire guys and so like the most gruesome way I could think that a skin wolf would be killing a, a poor empire soldier would be like ripping his head off and at this, like pulling his head off his body and as his head, head comes off his body his spine is stuck to his head <laughs> really so like Mortal Kombat, Kombat yeah. yeah so that was the most gruesome way I could think of one of them killing him so that's that was the that's the like the character I've done on the champion. Awesome. So, yeah. I don't think I've seen you sent pictures of that yet, or maybe I missed it. No, I don't think so. I can send you it after. Yeah. Uh, what else have I been doing? Um, I started on a unit filler for my beast herds, but it's not that interesting. Um, I finished my great my Barragard. Oh yeah, yeah, those turned out really well. Yeah, I'm really happy with them. So, so you, uh, you, when you sent pictures of those, you said that you got a wet palette and like stepped up your painting. So, how have you found that? The wet palette is awesome, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. So, like, what what is the main benefit for you compared to before? So, the first thing is like you save a lot of more paint. Yeah. Like you, the the paint lasts a lot longer. So you can put like a little bit of paint on the palette. And then you can, then it will last like days, and it won't dry. So, so you waste, you don't waste as much paint. Like before, I was using just like a piece of paper or like a plastic sheet, and I would just put the paint on the plastic sheet and then paint it on the model, and it would dry like almost instantly. So I'd use a lot more paint. Yeah. Um, it also makes it like the colors. They you can save them. So, let's say you wanted to do like a three or four stage highlight on a model. If you're if you're batch painting, then you can have those colors will last a bit longer. So if I was doing it on one model with like a three or four stage highlight, I'd get like a bit of color on my on my plastic sheet, and then I would paint that color, and then I'd add a bit more color to it, and then I paint that color, and then I'd add a bit more color to it, and paint like the next layer, and then do my highlight, and then by the time I've done my highlight, all the color is going to be dry, so I have to start again. But with my wet palette, I have all the four colors there, and I just do all four, and then the next model comes, I just do all four. So it's it kind of it improves your layering if you're doing batches. So, so is that how you batch paint? Because if I was doing that, I would have like mixed the first thing in like a big 
puddle on my wet palette and then I would just do five or ten models how many however many I do and then I would go to the next color and mix that and then do all the models yeah well I think when you're when you're blending without a wet palette that's like the easiest way of doing it because if you yeah. if you're trying to do a wet blend like for the colors to to kind of go into each other yeah, then, I mean, then, yeah. then you need then you need to do it like that. So with the wet palette, it kind of allows you to do it a bit more efficiently. Okay. Yeah, because um, I, I usually I usually use a wet palette, but now in, in quarantine I've regressed because obviously I didn't bring that to Sweden. So <laughs> so I've been forced to not use it again, and it's really frustrating to like like take out some paint, specifically metallics. They just dry in two seconds. Okay, um, I haven't used the metallics on the wet palette yet because Alex told me not to. <laughs> yeah, I just got a like a tip from a friend of mine who's been using this. So he's telling me that the, like the particles from the metallics um, will seep into your sponge, and then uh, over time, if you have it like your sponge ends up getting saturated with the metallics, they can end up kind of pulling back up or wicking back up through the uh, paper into your regular paints. Yeah, but maybe. I, I actually don't know. Like, uh, it might also be what type of paper you use, because I've never noticed my colors seeping through my paper, like, down that much, but uh, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it can, I think it can happen. It's, it's definitely happened to me, and I've only had the palette for a couple of months. Like, basically, Henry and I bought them at the same time. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've noticed that, especially if... Um, if like I let it, uh, if I get it like super wet, if I get the sponge super wet, sometimes yeah. like there's a possibility of it pulling some stuff through the other direction. So yeah, maybe I'll I have to I'll have to look out for that because I've had my pearls for like a year, well more, but I guess I'm yeah like maybe two years. I haven't had this issue so far, at least not with like the metallic particles. Well, that's that's awesome. It's I I basically only. As far as the metallics, I, it's literally just a piece of advice I got from someone else who was using who was using wet palette. Who like is a friend of mine who convinced me to to try it, and he was like, "But just he's like just as a heads up, he's like, this is something you maybe don't want to do." Yeah. Um, another thing uh, is that I don't know what it's. It depends on where you are, but like in Denmark, the or in Copenhagen, the water is really like mineral heavy or calcium heavy. Um, so the recommendation is to use like distilled water. You can just buy it for like seven and a half kroner at the, at the grocery store. It's like what you use to like put in, uh, at least in, in Copenhagen, it's what you use to put in like your, um, iron. If you're just like for a clothes ironing, cause you don't want to put regular water in cause it leaves yeah. a, 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 mineral, a, a mineral build up. Scale. Yeah, so you buy this stuff instead, and, and apparently it's so it's good to use that if you're like when you're use like when you're um, moistening your uh, sponge. <laughs> so many that innuendos. That sounds in this suspiciously episode. like buying like James Workshop water, though, like paying for water. Like, oh, gosh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's seven and a half kroner. It's, it's pretty cheap <laughs> for like for like a for like a liter or something. So, I mean, you have that one, Henry. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm about halfway through I think. Yeah, yeah, halfway through, and I've had it for like a month, and it was okay, seven yeah. seven kroner, so no worries. I I've heard about this before, but I never actually like put the effort into buying it. I guess. Okay, so you're just using regular water for your wet palette. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know. Maybe I should try and see if there's a difference. Uh, but I mean, since I never had uh, special water, I, I like I can't know if if, <laughs> I've been, if I can get up for something. I got the luxury stuff. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, and the, the last thing I did is I actually finished my calf prints from like three years ago. Nice. Uh, he got he got a, like a freehand shield and a freehand blended wet palette sword. Did I send you a picture of this? Uh, yeah, the sword I think I, I've seen. Let's see, yeah, I think I, I saw this. It was like uh, a blue and white sword. Yeah, it's very, yeah, that, that, when you sent that, I'm like, yeah, Henry's really like stepping it up now. I started to do more like techniques instead of just like a base coat and one layer and done. <laughs> Yeah, well, this was this was like the wet wet pellet textbook one hundred and one, yeah, jobby, where I could like really, really see the benefit because it was quite fast. It was quite easy to do. Like, yeah, I, exactly. I think I wouldn't want to commit to it, but I think it would be quite easy to do like a whole unit of of models with yeah. the like the wet blended sword. Yeah, it, it probably gets monotonous after a while, uh, though. I have to say. Yeah, but it was only like four or five layers, maybe six layers, yeah. and it was super easy. And all the colors are it's pretty like it, I did it last week, and all the colors are pretty still there on my palette. That's nice. So, so what I did was I did like the classic kind of blue magical sword look. Is what yeah, I would like call kind it. of a power sword almost. Yeah, the, that, yeah, that's that's where I copied from, <laughs> basically. Where they what. The technique is you you blend like blue to white on one side of the sword, and then you go white to blue on the other side of the sword. Yeah, because it's it's something with like if you uh, if you look at a like a, a very shiny metal in uh, in light, it kind of tends to reflect like that. So uh, so it, it's also a way that people paint uh, actual metallic swords as well. Okay, cool. But yeah, I, I, I just thought this would be the easiest way and that's similar to the techniques I've done before. Yeah. And also, I mean, the freehand on the shield is actually really nice. Uh, to be honest, when I just glanced at the picture when you sent it, I didn't realize it was freehand. I thought it was like a sculpted thing. Yeah, no, it's freehand. Yeah, so that, that's actually really good. I also I also freehanded the Barragard banner. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, yeah, I think so. When the text didn't quite fit, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit like because yeah. of the way that. The, but uh, yeah, but the the skeleton you put there is fucking amazing. With the like, it's a it's like a skull with a rib cage and then a pair of like skeletal wings around it. Yeah, it's like red. Yeah, red. It's, yeah, really, it's cool. really really nice. Like your Barragard unit is is fucking amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm it, really happy with how it worked. Is it actually viable to play? Uh, I I beat Alex with it. <laughs> <laughs> So you know it's good. <laughs> That's how you know it's good, Casimir. Yeah. If you can beat me, if you can beat me with a unit, uh, I I lost to Pete with it though. They're a keeper. Who's who's my other our other friend who's also learning? Yeah, I like so Pete. If you're listening, I like how um, like Henry classifies you him as learning, um, but he's like totally played Warhammer for years <laughs> he's learning nice <laughs> for years it's like and he's like and he's like oh no man like he's like I'm still new like there's stuff I don't understand and I'm like yeah you <laughs> when we were picking spells when we were picking spells the first time I sat down to play with him when Henry's like oh he's new like it'll be a, it'll be a good matchup for the two of you he's like talking about he's like naming all the spells as Warhammer spells that he knows he wants <laughs> he's like oh I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this one. which one's that called Henry like and I'm like fuck me like <laughs> this guy literally knows everything about what's going on on the table right now and and I'm still just like herp derp like 
where's my like what is what is my what does this unit do you know like it's on it's on my side of the field and i don't even know what exactly what it's what it's supposed to do and like and like so but but the but the, the truth is like it's going to be hard for me to find people that have just never played before right like that's going to be tough because it is yeah, cause it, it's just how you get into it. like because it's a like the community that plays this game came from warm and fancy uh, when it was uh, discontinued by games workshop right so like yeah. most people have that background yeah and the, and there's also a high barrier to entry right so like unless you unless like you get somebody like henry who's like willing to introduce me to it and has a bunch of armies for me to experiment with um it's tough for like a random person to be like i think i'm just gonna get into that you know like i'm just gonna spend all the money on models and paints and learn the game and fuck it <laughs> you know like like i got no idea if i'm gonna like it or not but i'm gonna spend like six thousand kroner on it like i don't fucking know uh, yeah, it's, it's very different from most of us like i got into it when i was i don't know seven i think or six and then it's you know you buy like a box of orcs and you build them and paint them really shittily and then you like play with them almost like little you know toy soldiers or whatever and then you do that for a couple of years after a while you're like oh there's a game also oh cool <laughs> yeah like maybe i'll maybe i'll learn that too right like I mean, I like when I was a kid. I, I like. I think we, we talked about this maybe uh, back the first time I was on the podcast. Like, I, I did a little bit of the the hobby painting as a recreational thing, but I just bought random models and painted them because I was like, that looks cool. So I had like a couple of forty k characters, and I had some characters from Dragonlance, and you know, like I had I had some Warhammer Fantasy Battle characters and some just random models, right? Like I just had whatever. I was like, that looks neat, I'll do that. You know, I watched, the first time I saw Aliens, I bought a bunch of Space Marine characters, you know, like, <laughs> it was just, I was just like, those are cool, uh, they look like the guys from Aliens, like, I'm gonna get those. <laughs> um, you know, because for me, it was just sitting in my, sitting in my, in my room when I was a kid, like, doing a bit of painting on the weekend, so, it didn't really matter, it was just what, what I thought would be neat to paint. Um, but yeah. So I, 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 I totally acknowledge that like anybody who's a newbie is going to still be somebody who's probably pay, played like for several hundred or a thousand, a thousand plus hours <laughs> of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, right? Which, which, makes, which means that I'm still, it's still a long uphill climb for me. But You're going to get there. It hasn't, it hasn't discouraged me, right? Like I'm not like, oh man. Like, <laughs> Fuck this shit. Like this, screw this, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take my minis and I'm going home, you know, like. I just kind of feel like um, it's going to be a long road, but I've got a long time to do it because it's a it's a long it's a long term hobby. Yeah, I'm into yeah, right? like, I'm, I'm glad that you. I'm really glad that you have that kind of um, perseverance because I, I think it is it is a long road and it is something that takes time to to get good at. Yeah, and I mean that's also like it's the same thing as with the painting and stuff as well. It's like a skill, right, that you learn. And you need to invest the time to be good at it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm going to try and say this politically, Casimir. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would. I would consider. I'd say that you're more of a hobby gamer than a like a, a tournament gamer. Yeah. And it's it's, it's, I, it's taken you quite a long time to to get good at Ninth Age. 
yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like especially especially good still. But I think to be honest, it, like so, I think I could tie this together in the sense that I think that's also because I don't spend enough time playing. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure because if I think back to when I like played a lot more every week back in when War of Fancy was a thing, you know, there was like a club here and I used to go. So I went to less tournaments, but I played more. I think I was probably better at playing at that time because I just also just did it more. So you're more used to what's happening, you know all the rules. Like you, you kind of can predict situations better than if you go to a tournament like once every two months or something. And then every time you get there, like the first game, like, oh yeah, shit, this is how it works. You know? Yeah, I think when, when you're playing more, you, you're better. And, and, that, and that's the same with anything really. But Ninth Age especially, like the more you play and the, uh, the more regularly you play, the the more you the better you get and the more easy it becomes so it's, it's like a how much time you can invest in it and and yeah. ev- eventually you're just going to learn the basics and and it will come easier yeah but i think some people view it as uh, like some people view winning like tournaments and stuff as a like some kind of innate skill thing but i don't think it's like that i think it's much more like how much do you play like how many games a month do you play if somebody plays you know what like 15 20 games a month or something that of course they're going to be better than me who plays like you know on average a game a month or whatever if you spread it out yeah for sure the the times that i've done well in tournaments is when i've been playing regularly yeah i mean practice pays off that's a fact you know in general uh you know it's it it i've played i maybe including that's, the that's quick, tea not water yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inclu- including the quick time the quick plays that we've done um or quick start rules i've played maybe 10 times yeah i think at this point and you know like that's not that many times <laughs> so i don't feel bad for sucking right like i'm just like uh, you know it's okay i i've had some moments i've had some moments that i thought things were going really well in some of my games where I'm like, that was pretty good. Uh, I don't mind that I that I, <laughs> that I that I lost in the end. Like that's okay. And you know, I played that one match against um, was it Suna? Yeah, Suna. Yeah. Uh, where was, like we basically tied. Like a, it was, yeah. like it was a it was a pretty much an even game at the end of it. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I did technically win the quick start games against you too. Yeah, yeah, so you, yeah, you beat me twice in the quick my, start. My first two times ever playing, so I feel pretty good about that. Either Henry was using it to sucker me into the hobby, or <laughs> or, uh, or, wow. or I had a little bit of I had a little bit of was, intuition. One of the games that we have, I was playing Sylvan Elves, and my uh, my archers just didn't kill anything for like two turns, and you just rolled me over. <laughs> so that, that's, that's just Ninth Age. Yeah, I mean, but that I think that's also what makes it fun. Like, part part of it, like it wouldn't be interesting if it wasn't dice based. I think. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's always a there's always a small chance that you're just going to roll all the sixes and, and smash someone. Yeah. And yeah, that to me is like makes it fun. Like, it, you know, that's why to me, like, I don't I don't like playing magic or some kind of card game like that because it's it's too, like, it's too static. It's too predictable. You know, like it. it like you don't have those kind of moments where everything swings around and uh, like you have to be put into a new situation where you weren't prepared for or whatever. Yeah, just like one lucky roll just changes everything, right? Yeah. You know, it was like well, like when I did play Pete, I had those two Feldrak elders, and you know one of them ended up running 
for the hills right as I was about to just smash another one of his units. Yeah, we, we learned that Faldric Elders are not fearless. <laughs> Sorry? Are not fearless. fearless. <laughs> oh yeah, no. So, so something died and it, and the other one failed the panic test and fled. And I was just like, I was like right there, like right about to smash all Pete's army. I'm like one, I'm like one inch from from his from his uh, his like only unit that's that's protecting his flank. <laughs> and so next turn, I'm going to smash him, and then he's just like, I'm I'm gonna run away instead. This will be better. <laughs> and then the whole and then the whole game changed. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, yeah. That was it then. Yeah, but I mean that's I I, I kind of enjoyed those spawns as well. Like I, I we talked about it before, but we were to a tournament where I played Vermin Swarm for like the first time in, in forever, and I cast the Wrath of God, which is like a comet. Yeah, yeah. Behind, I love that. Uh, it's, it's behind Sven's uh, like Dreadle for me, and then I had like this unit of rats like blocking his big Death Star from just running into me, and then the Wrath of God comes down and it kills like all this stuff, but also my unit of rats. Which had like ten wounds, and he had to roll two d six. I rolled like eleven or twelve or something, and then he just runs over my entire army. And that, I don't know. I find that really entertaining at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you did, you did it to yourself, right? Like I felt the same way. Yeah. I cast two comets, and they like they the first one smashed him so hard, and the second one hit what I tried to hit, but also hit me. And that's when the whole Feldrek thing disaster <laughs> yeah. happened. And that's when everything went wrong. <laughs> I think I think it was actually the comet that yeah. panicked the Feldrek. It, it was. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was my comet. own fault. It's always the comet. The comet did it for me, but it was it was still worth. Ca- like I was so happy to have cast it. I was like, yes, this is amazing. So so the plan was to uh, talk about giants. <laughs> right. right, right, right. Oh yeah. <laughs> but tangents are quite okay. Um, so the new giant supplement came out Um, I think on the last episode we went through the rules so this episode we're going to touch on the background yes Uh, but before we get started before we get started uh, just going to take a quick break and get some snacks and some more beer that's a good idea Welcome back to Amazon Podcast, episode 53. Yeah. <laughs> Got Alex uh, Big Al and uh, Casimir, Casimir the Swede. Still here. And yep. um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the new Giant Supplement. So, so guys, what what's the overall opinion before we get started? So... I think that it's uh, it's quite flavorful, but like some of the some of the giants are sillier than others. I think. <laughs> so like a thing that comes to mind is the UD giant that like is also a chariot or something. I'm like, what what's going on here? Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what they were aiming at with that one. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure they like could have done something stupid, but it's still pretty funny. But like the so like for, some of them like, like, make like, more sense. It was like, don't UD already have a giant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, why? Why is it even there? I don't know. I think my my opinion of it, and this is totally uh, selfish. I only have a chaos army attitude. Warriors drink. Ah, yes, sure. 
Like, you haven't even played Warhammer Fantasy. How can you get the wrong names? <laughs> I mean, I, I know what the emblem is. It's the exact same emblem. Yeah. <laughs> I, on the cover of the book. It's not like it's right. not like anybody tried really hard to make it not the same. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, do, you, do you know why it's the eight-pointed star? No, actually. So there's seven gods, because there's seven sins. So you have all the seven sins, and then the eighth point is Father Chaos. Father Chaos? Yeah. Oh, man. Can I get a Father Chaos character? No. <laughs> just shows up and it's like, like, I win. But, but any, anyone with the eight-pointed star is a follower of Father Chaos. Okay. So, like, most of your warriors have eight-pointed stars. So they, they're the Father Chaos followers. Oh, nice. Yeah, I also think that if you if you read the uh, Warriors book, then uh, the sorcerers are like uh, emissaries of uh, Father Chaos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. That's, they, that's they why they you can't put favors on them, for yeah. example. But, so, Warriors of the Dark Gods, the reason why I think that the, uh, the giant supplement is like a bit... I'm a bit, I'm a bit like ticked about it is because um, you know now everybody gets giants you know like wasn't it enough wasn't it enough you, you, you have, have you have, have all giants. that other stuff you have giants already do you not have all the other stuff yeah but it's like it's like Casimir said there's another army that are, that already had the giant <laughs> that got another one why don't we get why don't we get a new giant it's lame lame <laughs> all I'm saying is warriors of the dark gods just get the the shit end of the stick Constantly, that's my opinion. I'm gonna keep playing them. I'm committed. I'm gonna keep buying. I'm gonna spend my life buying and painting stuff. So Alex was Alex was complaining earlier when we were talking about dwarves. He was like, "I've never played this army, but it seems like like every time I hear about something new that something new in this game is like someone gets something really good and and warriors just don't have anything that's really good." Like, maybe you could just like assure Alex that there is some good stuff in the Warriors that's really OP. Yeah, I mean, there's the burning portent lord. There's nothing else in the game that starts killing. So I got one sword. It's like the, the, that has, the that has only flaming us. attacks. That if you if I play against anybody that is that has flaming attacks have no effect. That character <laughs> is fucked. Well, if you go into a unit with wolf wounds, like, uh, you know, ogres, shafties, anything like this, you just, like, yeah. There's a lot of units in the game that, that really it, it gives a problem to, but I just don't play any of those armies. Yeah. <laughs> you should nor, play against Oliver or something. Nor anyone like no. Beastheads is good against Beastheads. Mm. It's, like, it's like a death sentence to the Minotaurs. Yeah, because Minotaurs usually uh, play with uh, Regeneration. What, yeah. what's it called nowadays? Oh, Fortitude, yes. Uh, mm. Yeah, okay. No, but I agree. It's uh, like the UD giant, I think, shouldn't have been there. It's also like a, a problem when, you know, when they wanted feedback on how the rules work. And from the UD perspective, we're like, well, now we have another monster. We already have like three different monsters almost for... Uh, yeah, four if you have a character multi. Like, now we have a fifth one, and it kind of does the same thing as the other ones, so, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was meant as, like, an April Fool's joke. Yeah. So I think I think we have to kind of look at it in that perspective a little bit. No, 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 uh, 100%. But it seems to be more serious than the other. Like, previously, they had the April Fool's jokes that just, like, you know, that existed, and then they just disappeared. Like, the uh, Ocean People Army, or whatever it was called. Oceanborn. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think but this, actually, I, really, I also one... like that. Like this is a lot more like is a lot more fun because it's also more manageable. Like you, I mean, that's you can run a tournament where you say, "Oh, you're you're allowed to take giants," so you can have some funny giants like the Equitane one who's riding a wooden horse and stuff. Yeah, I mean, Ariscon is allowing the giants, and um, we should maybe announce uh, NerdCon in October third and October fourth. In Copenhagen, I'll also be allowing the giants. Are you allowing all like the supplement books, like yes. all the uh, Marker, cultist, Osklanders, everything, awesome. and the giants? You know, you know what I'm gonna do, Henry. Obviously, what? I'm gonna paint. I'm gonna paint up my my filthy contrast dwarf army, and then get a filthy, uh, you know, dwarf giant also. The giant seeker. Yeah, well, I, I don't think that maybe the other one is even better, like a free plus save and like an ages save and everything. Just yeah. <laughs> Dwarf giant. <laughs> it's large, not gigantic. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> there's that's never true. been there's never been a greater oxymoron. <laughs> I like the idea that the, the the giants are going to join the dwarfs. Maybe they're just like the shorter giants. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to they have to get underground, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's uh, let's start with the the first text, and I think this is actually quite indicative, um, knowing a little bit more about the background than you guys. Um, this is like the introduction story to the to the whole supplement, and it's about a giant that left home to travel the world, and he goes to a town in Equitane, and he's like uh, trying to trying to make friends. Uh-huh. I know that it's Equitane, right? Because I, I read this, I like I wasn't sure if it, this was uh, Equitane or uh, uh, or the Empire or something. It's Equitane because you find out at the end. Oh uh, yeah, it's wait, what, where? Ah, you missed it. Yeah, I missed it. So yeah, you, we'll, we'll get there. So okay. So just just remember that. Just remember that little that little. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. So, so can I say something that like a couple of things that stuck out to me from just reading this uh, from straight away? Yeah, go ahead. So, so first of all, the the I like the things we learn is that the giants in the knife age, or like at least some of them, can read and write. Yeah. And that that's not something that I expected. So that's like quite different from a lot of other uh, settings with giants. Yeah. And and then the second thing that I found really interesting, which comes up in a lot of these stories, is that the giants get on the fucking boats. But like, <laughs> how big are these boats? Like, how did you not just like step in the boat? And just go. <laughs> well, the, the boats that they're on are, are sitting very low in the water. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, it's dangerous. You know, like if a storm comes, they're fucked. <laughs> yeah. So the giants can read and write. They're, I think they're a little bit smarter than maybe the Games Workshop giants led you yeah, to believe. Yeah. It, Games Workshop giants were just like retarded, right? Yeah. But, it, but so, so is this like commonplace among giants to be able to read and write? Um, I'm not sure it would be commonplace for them to be able to read and write. Excuse me, but this one, this one certainly spent a lot of time in the. At least, yeah, this one spent a lot of time in the um, in the Equitian culture. So yeah. I guess, as you will see later, he probably gets an opportunity to read and write. Yeah. 
and it says like it's the biggest book ever written. So, <laughs> so with it be, with it being um, the biggest book ever written, that's like a Monty Python yeah. biggest book, right? It's, like it's the book is large, yeah. not, not long. <laughs> exactly. So, so maybe this is the the one and only giant that ever learnt to read and write. At least, at least the common speech or whatever it's written in. So. Yeah, th- this one I thought it was it was quite funny. Like he's just he's a little bit stupid, but he's not like idiotic or yeah. or like an unintelligent species. Yeah, he's just like uh, good natured, I guess. Yeah, and he's he's just trying to do good, but it doesn't really work out. But in the in the end, uh, in the end, he goes back to his home. Yeah, like it, it turns out that the guy that he like befriends or whatever in uh, in Equitane is like a douchebag. <laughs> but he doesn't really realize. Yeah. So like the, the guy uses the giant to to like gain uh, I guess prestige and uh, political power, and yeah. the giant just thinks that he's like helping his friends. Yeah, exactly. So so what what is the thing that makes this into or like uh, at the end of the whole document you mean or? Yeah, you you see you see. Okay okay okay. Yeah, I I think I'm actually wrong, but uh, now I think about it a little bit more. But uh, we'll we'll get there, and you'll you'll maybe notice it later on. Yeah. Um, but I thought I thought it was quite cool that it like linked it to a bit like Gulliver's Travels, like he's like tied down by the rope. Yeah. Yeah, and I was also thinking about the fact that it, here he gets like tied down, like uh, like Oliver, and then uh, then they poke him, and he's like, ah, oh, it didn't hurt that much. And then I'm like, is it? That's not like what it's like in the game, though. Like if you get if a giant gets poked in the eye, it hurts like a lot. <laughs> but it, it didn't wound him, so he didn't get more attacks. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. He didn't get that angry. No, disappointing. <laughs> Alex is uh, loving the loves giants, and when they die, before they get to attack, he's so sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I okay. just have a big like. I think that giants should be should be better than they are, is what I think. I think they should yeah. be better than what they than, than they are, and I and I I have found that the only way to have any real fun with them is to like put them at least for for Warriors of the Dark Gods is to like put them <laughs> put them in units so they don't get killed so they don't just immediately get shot off in the first round they need, they need their mates though <laughs> they need all the little bros to help them out that's right yeah exactly um, like what? The, the, yeah, the only thing else I wanted to say about this little paragraph is it it brushes over it really quickly but if you if you're going to read in the Night Scroll it kind of elaborates a little bit more it's out right now actually um, but uh, it basically says that like all the giants they go out into the world when they're young and then they go back to their communities when they get older so actually all the giants that you're going to see in the game and in this excerpt are like young giants who have kind of gone out into the world like the Amish maybe <laughs> is that what they do no, it's, I think that they have this um, this like sort of wanderlust uh, concept yeah. where um, the, and I'm not sure if it's maybe it's Amish or Mennonites. Uh, obviously, I've, I'm I'm representing entire <laughs> culture poorly now, and I apologize. But the, the, neither one will be listening to a podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what what Alex? What you actually trying to say is dwarves are Jews and giants are Amish? Um, well, if, I think Tolkien answers that question for you. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, like. So what what they do in these cultures is that um, they they give like young people 
like some money and some opportunity to go out and like see the world. Uh, and the reason that they do that is to is so that there isn't this because obviously they can they can see it from a distance. And if they don't get to go out and actually experience it, then then there's always going to be this potential for sort of rebellion or uh, a sense of loss. So yeah, they see. send them when they're sort of young enough to go out on their own and, and just sort of experience it. Yeah. And then what tends to happen is that these people come back to their communities with a renewed sense of why they want to be in their community. Right. Uh, yeah. Like the, the way I've heard it explained, it's like that's, you know, to, to be able to have this kind of place where people don't communicate with the outside world, you also have to let people see what it's like. And usually when you, you know, when you go from living in that kind of, I guess like 1800s kind of living style, like lifestyle into living in the modern world, it's scary as fuck. So you do that for a year and then you're like, oh, this is, fuck this, I'm going back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously there's, obviously there's some, there's, it's a calculated choice, you know, of some sort, right? Because it seems to work. But yeah. what it also does is it makes sure that anybody who doesn't want to come back doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So you don't, you don't end up creating like this, um, like a uh, situation in the in the community where some people want to ex- exhibit change, right? They want to be part of the community, but they want things to change. It's a way of like maintaining the status quo with, uh, and never having to have that sort of like discussion of like, well, maybe we can like go a little further, you know, into the 21st century. It's just, yeah. it's, a, it's an all or not kind of situation, so... Anyway, enough about that. Back to the giants. <laughs> so, so giants are Amish, and they like to travel the world. And then, when once they've traveled the world for a few years, they go back to their communities, and then they kind of live out their days. So, I, I think I think what's interesting is like maybe maybe this kind of ties into the Big Brother idea a little bit. So that like the Big Brother is maybe one of the larger giants that's gone out into the community gone back to its own community and then been persuaded or coerced to come back to come back come back to the world that it that it visited as a child yeah yeah or just decided that you know giant giant life just wasn't for them yeah exactly you know they want to be part of the big city <laughs> didn't, didn't want to go back to the Amish paradise <laughs> maybe they're just like actually big brother is actually kind of small <laughs> In like giant, in like the giant realm, you know, like um, you know how like the in like sort of the Scandinavian concept of giants, there are like giants that are like eight feet tall, and then there are giants that are like the size of a mountain. Yeah, I think that's exactly what this is implying. And it's sort of like you're sitting there and you're like looking at this like mountain-sized Jotun, and you're like, uh, I'm just gonna get picked on my whole life here. I think I'm, I think I'm out of here. Like I want to go be the big dude. <laughs> Small folk. Yeah, like I want to feel. I want to feel like I'm big. Like it's. It comes back to what's that? We were talking because we were talking about dwarves, ang- small angry men. <laughs> <laughs> a a big like brother that. giant is actually the small angry man of the giant, the giant kingdom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I think that's exactly what this is implying. That there are the actual full size giants are like. Whether they're much larger, but they they are much older than the giants that we see in the Ninth Age, and th- and that's also what it implies in the Ninth Scroll. If you if you look at the Ask the Sage article this month, 
Now, who is the sage? The sage is Sigmund Selig. He's like um, uh, like a writer, uh, like a writer in the Ninth Age world. Okay. Who? Oh, he's a character. He's a character. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought it maybe it was like a person no, who no. works on that. Okay. No. He's like um, a character in the Ninth Age world. So obviously, all the Ninth Age background is in world. So all these are like letters or books or excerpts from poems and things. Okay. So if I write into the Ninth Scroll. To ask to ask the sage something, it should be within the context. Of, yeah, of exactly. It. So you you wouldn't say like, you wouldn't why say, are dwarves OP? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. You'd say like, why like maybe something like, why are dwarves handguns so effective? Ah, then he would he would explain why. Yeah, <laughs> as an example. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So um. Cool. That's cool. The first entry in the giants is for the demon legions. The cultist giant. Oh yeah, this guy is a jerk. Fiery green eyes that can look right through into your soul. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Nobody wants that. What, what did you guys think about this story? I think it was funny that they fit a giant in a basement. Yeah, that was also what I was thinking about. Or at uh, least... How did they get it in? That's what I mean, like... That's what she said. I mean... I mean, I... I kind of feel like okay, so like they cram, and it the way it's the way it's described is that they crammed all of these cultists who are like bravely gathering for the first time as an entire group, right, <laughs> into this basement uh, with a stone table there, which I think hilariously the 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 character writing is like. I don't know how they get a stone this stone table everywhere, but it's <laughs> it's everywhere everywhere I go. The same stone table. I mean, what's with these guys? I think that's a hilarious, like, little little moment uh, in the writing that I, I really appreciated. Um, so hats off to whoever's writing that. You've, you've really, I've, I, re- I really, you got a big smile out of me from that. Um, because it is, like, one of these, like, sort of tropes of, like, a cult group, yeah. right? Is that, is that they've Always got... Always have an altar. They have this stone altar, right? No matter where they are. And it's like, who cares how it got there? It's just there. Um... But, uh, but yeah, I don't know, like, it just seemed like, it just seemed like, okay, so you've got this sort of patchwork, it seems like a patchwork, uh, giant, right, uh, with green eyes that can, like, peer, peer, green piercing flaming eyes that can just look into your soul, I mean, that's just not fair. I got the feeling that would this giant really go back to like this would be one of those giants I feel like that would stay like could you be accepted by giant society if your eyes are fucking green flame? <laughs> I feel like this guy has been turned or tainted, right? Like yeah, this maybe, is, yeah, maybe exactly. it's like a conduit for a demon or something. Like I don't think he's part of the giant kind anymore. He's just the vessel by which these cultists have like brought forth some nasty bads. Yeah, like imagine this is like you finish college, you like you finish high school, and before you go to college, you're gonna travel, and this is not what happens to you. Like you're stuck in a fucking sex den. You join a, you cult. join a cult, <laughs> and you gain grasping proboscis. <laughs> More like a cult, like a costs you, drugs you, drags you down into their basement. <laughs> Dream yeah, like you. this does not end well for giant fan. Like, and like inserts a just, demon into your consciousness. He just like, wanted to get like three dollar beer. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's looking for he's like looking for like for like yeah, like for like pitchers for for a tenor. Yeah, that's how they that's how they get you in, you know. Yeah, <laughs> speaking for experience. It's like that movie Hostel. You know, they just wanted his organs. They just. <laughs> okay, so the next one is the Dreadnoughts Giant, mm. and this is the yes, one that you were talking about on the boat. Yeah, I mean, the first guy also, like, in the introduction, he also went on a boat, but he, like, had his own boat, so that makes sense. But here, he's, like, on an elf boat or something, or yeah. then a, on a human boat, and I was like, ooh, he can't be that big. What is the, is he actually ever on the boat, or does he not just, like, he, like, swims and jumps onto the boat? I, I, got, I got it that he, like, jumped off the boat when they yeah, arrived. That- yeah, exactly, because it says something like uh, one of these those vessels already sitting there on the water, blah, 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 monster shape. Yeah, so, like, I also got the, the idea that it came with a vessel. Yeah. So he's, like, sitting on the... He's sitting on the boat to begin with. And then he jumps out and, like, joins the raid. And I, I thought I thought it was quite cool, like, when the Dreadels leave, like, the giant just, like, pushes the boat out. And it makes them like super fast at leaving, so that the they couldn't, yeah. like the uh, the relief force couldn't catch them. I thought that was quite a cool little uh, idea. Oh, so it's because the way I read it, he's not on the ship till he says a giant on a ship. Like he jumps up onto the ship. I I, I heard that he vaults like over the rail from the ship. Oh well, makes sense. I just think you could also vault the rail from the other way. Yeah, the other way. So that's when the way I imagine it is like they're all hanging out right on the ship and he's like coming down and he's like, oh, I'm on a dread elf ship, ooh, <laughs> pirates. And then this friggin' giant just jumps out of the water like like the Kraken and it's just like on the boat now yeah. and they're like, what the fuck? There's a giant on this ship. It's, it's a dread elf giant, right? So it's jumping off the, over the rail and onto the beach. Oh, it's going on the beach. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. But uh, what, I th- what I thought was cool is that it like it can push the boat out really quickly. It doesn't take like the whole crew to like pull the boat off the shore. The giant can just it can just push the boat off the shore and jump in and leave. Yeah, like <laughs> like a robot. Yeah, exactly. So for the giant, it's like quite a small boat. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, so I like one of the things I like about this is that they talk about uh, in most of these stories they talk about the eyes of the giants and they're like have different characteristics depending on what. Um, uh, what faction the giant has joined? So, like uh, for example, in, in this one, it, it's like a, uh, like it's, it says it has glittering eyes, but then later it talks about yeah, you know, like uh, in other ones maybe the eyes are, are like more intelligent or more savage, things like this. Okay, I didn't notice that. I think because I think it's the one with the uh, the highborn elves. It talks about like in the in the dwarf one, it, it's it says stuff about how he has like a, a hate flies or something like that, and then the highborn elf one, he has like this kind of more noble look about them and stuff like that. Okay. So it kind of absorbs the culture that uh, they're in. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't catch that. But what what does it say in this one? Here it just says that it has like an inked pattern of snakes uh, writhing around glittering eyes. So okay. here it doesn't have like I guess a a strong like uh, you know like moral characteristic or something, but it still like kind of talks about how uh, the differences between them. Okay, interesting. Okay, so maybe that's something that's going to be uh, following through all of them. Because you had the green eyes in the first one. 
Yeah, fiery green eyes. Or so maybe we should look out for that one a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it comes up in this next one as well. Okay. So you want to take the next one? Yeah. So this is the dwarven holes giant. And uh, I, I actually, when I started reading, I was very confused because this is not from the perspective of a dwarf. It's actually written from the perspective of a vermin. Yeah. Uh, which I found was pretty cool because first I was like, "Why is this in Latin?" Like I don't get it, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay, oh yeah, they're trying to be Romans." Now I get it. <laughs> uh, but that was actually quite interesting because I don't think I've uh, maybe I'm not stayed on top of all the the uh, lore that's been released, but I haven't written or read a document like written from the perspective of a of a vermin before. Like when you kind of see how they think about it. There's a really interesting one somewhere. Mm. I think it might be in the Warriors book. Where okay. it talks about some legions or something. Yeah. And it's um, it doesn't say explicitly. <laughs> Sorry. It doesn't say explicitly that um, it's written by a vermin. It just yeah. says like um, centurion someone. Yeah, exactly. But it's, like, yeah, I really like that. But if you actually read it and think, oh, this is written by a vermin, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. And I think. I think we need to think about the whenever we see something like Latin wise it must be vermin who are talking yeah exactly yeah and at the end of this tale it says something like uh, found among scraps of a rat's nest and then it's uh, just like presumed remnants of the ancient city re- written in a strange Abrasi dialect <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're like a little, it's a little bit fucked up so all of the rat men in this uh, in the ninth age are Italian no. Think about so, them as, as uh, like a, so. The thing that I, I was actually telling mean. my girlfriend about this before, uh, because uh, like I, I'm kind of re, you know revitalizing my vermispawn army as well, and uh, so the way I view it from what I've heard so far is like think about Rome was like this powerful empire for a long time, but then there was these other forces that came in and kind of conquered it, like the. Uh, like the Turks or the uh, like Vandals, like the barbarians, and they kind of wanted to set themselves up as the successors. You know, like uh, uh, in Istanbul, they called it like the New Rome, right, or or stuff like that. Yeah, but that's actually isn't that because uh, not because they conquered Rome, but because actually the like the rem- the remnants of the Roman Empire actually was there. Yes, but then from their perspective, right? And that is the same thing with if you ask like some of the Vandal kings and stuff in, in Italy, that they, you know, like they viewed it as like they are the successors of Rome. And the, the vermin in, in Life Age is kind of the same thing where they conquered Abras at some point. And they, they decided that like we're actually the Abrasian Empire. And they never let that go, even though they've been like driven, driven out now at the later stage. Yeah, and that, I think that's, that's really interesting how you think about that. And I think that's actually exactly how it should be. Cool. So just to, I don't know how much you read of the background, Alex, but there's a city called Avras, which is essentially like Istanbul. Okay. And um, the way that the background is, it's like obviously a human city, but uh, in, in I think the 8th age or the 7th age, it gets taken over by the vermin. And the vermin adopts the culture of Avras, which is kind of like Roman Byzantine culture. Okay. So like a Latin culture, Latin words. And they, they rule Avras for an age. And then it's retaken by humans, who who now who now have it in the ninth age. So the the vermin culture is like this kind of forgotten empire, as Casimir is like saying, like a once Roman empire. 
and they still believe that they're like the successors of the Avrasi culture. So they they like speak Latin and they have the Senate and stuff like that. Okay. So it's kind of like a bit like Rome, Byzantine kind of theme for the Burmese War. Sweet. I actually just started rewatching that HBO series Rome. Yeah. So good. Have you guys the, seen that? The one with the the English one or the uh, American one? Um. I don't know the, the, the one the one on HBO. <laughs> don't have HBO, bro. Uh, it's like the awesome one. The one with um, Titus Pullo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the English one. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, I love it. But there's an American one that's different than that. Yeah, it's like a Netflix one actually. But oh, okay. yeah, no, no. I'm talking about like the the good one. If that's my, I haven't seen the other one. I'm such a jerk. <laughs> like, the English one's better. But the American one's quite good. It's more like a documentary, though. But it's good. Yeah, like Netflix seems to have been doing a lot of these kind of half documentary, half uh, dramatizations. They did one on the like fall of Constantinople, where they like, yeah, you know, they half of it is like a narrative with it's, historians and stuff, and the, half the of Rome it is one is acting. Is exactly the same. Yeah, I, I found that actually very good. Having studied the fall of Constantinople, I thought the series was actually reasonably good. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, some of it is one. definitely, like, you know, yeah. simplification. I, I mean, I haven't really studied it, but I've, like, you know, listened to a lot of podcasts and read a few books, but, uh, you know, like, you, you notice that they skip some parts, but still, like, the dramatization adds a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, the Dwarven Hold giant. <laughs> yeah, so so here, anyway, like, the uh, when it gets to the part about the giant, uh, I think it's... Uh, uh, let's see. At the in the last uh, paragraph, it says like you know they, these vermin they counter the giant and they're like oh shit like he's defending the tunnels way too good so they have to go somewhere else. But he says uh, he blocks our passage and his eyes glitter with hatred, and uh, that's also something that then matches um, like the rules with, for this giant where it has uh, hatred. Yeah. Which I, I don't really see why it has hatred though. From a, like aren't giants supposed to do what the the army is doing? Yeah, well, dwarves, like, hate stuff, right? Yeah, but they only hate, like, <laughs> some stuff. Like, they, they have that rule... That's another thing, Alex, that we forgot to talk about in the dwarf part. They have hatred. Is that they... The dwarves can choose grudges against certain things. So they say... They, ha they have a number of grudges. I think they get one. And then if they have a king, they get another one. If they have a throne, they get another one. So they just say, yeah. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. So they re-roll to hit against those units that they choose. Yeah, so like essentially like the, the, the idea type? is that no, they, they have these like old unit, grudges yeah. that they need to like that they're recorded and they're like, Oh yeah, that's that dude over there that like killed my brother or something. Fuck him, you know. Yeah. Cool story, bro. Just yeah. sounds like a bunch of bonus rolls to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's again it's again I I'm sitting here going, So what's the downside? Right? Like I got like it's we we did this bro. whole like Casimir, we did this whole thing, right? Where we were <laughs> where we were talking about dwarves for like an hour, hour and a half, and and I'm sitting there going, and I was pretty quiet because I was because I was quite not, I was just intently listening because I, I don't know much about them, and I'm just going okay, um, so that kicks ass, and that's pretty awesome, and um, there's no downside <laughs> to that, and and the whole like um, so the downside well movement three. Uh, no magic. But but we don't but we don't generally tend to move, so it's not really downside. <laughs> and it's like and then it's like and then there are these then there are these um, rules that were employed to encourage dwarven players to move out from just like hanging <laughs> in the corner. No one uses them. <laughs> or the people that use them 
also smash because they're totally OP as well, like that no flanking rule. So it's like, yeah. like you were talking about this 2,000 point block of units, right? Yeah. That just has like all your characters in it, a dwarf king, and this and this practically impenetrable group. And then you put that hold stone at 30 points. Them. 30 points for a hold stone on like a 40, 40 man unit. And if you try to hit them, don't from need the, forty. You just need twenty. If you try to yeah. hit them, if you try to hit them from the flank, you're gonna you're gonna eat more turd than if you hit them from the front. Yeah. You know, like I'm just like okay, so basically you don't play against them, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you face that block, you just kill the rest of the army and run away from that block, essentially. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, like in that sense, that it has a very strong uh, counter, I guess. But I, what I find really funny is that you guys had this this view that they're a really good army. And I just listened to, um, you know, the Slamrat podcast is doing like a daily show or or at least many shows. And they did one where they had Huristo on to talk about dwarves. And, you know, Huristo is this guy. He's a, he's a good player, but he's also like a very negative person, I think. So he just came on and talked about how bad they were and like how they're definitely not a good army and stuff like that. And then I listened to everybody else who's so like, oh, it's an amazing army. Everything's great. And it's just, uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting. Well, I'm, I'm curious to find out if he, because like... Risto actually designed the dwarf book. I mean, it sounds, yeah. so is he saying they're bad because he did a bad job designing them? Or they're bad as in, like, everyone should beat them? Because it sounds to me like... Uh, it sounds to me like the former, right? Like that. Oh, I, I, t I happened to yeah. like we happened to make them really OP, right? Like <laughs> the idea was like the or the issue that came up a lot in in this podcast was that um, was that like there are these legacy rules, right? From the basically that come from Warhammer, yeah. Um, that were sort of follower rules, like we're not sure what to do, so we're going to do the things that are familiar for people, essentially. Or we're not yeah. sure how this is going to balance out, so we're going to do the things that are familiar for people, and 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 it ca it came up several times that the dwarf aren't the, like the dwarf uh, compendium needs a total rework, basically. Yeah, probably. And I mean, it sounds to me I like mean, to, it sounds to, to me be, like it really does to, to be like some, uh, to give them some genuine yeah I think so. benefits, but also some penalties, right? Yeah, I mean, like so. So the thing that uh, they brought up is just is the fact that there, it's like an army that's it, like it is limited in the sense that it doesn't have like the magic that swings stuff a lot and it doesn't like it doesn't get points very easily that you can hide from it and stuff like usually it loses small or wins small like it's not a like it's not very dynamic in that sense that was kind of what Risto was talking about and that that he, he felt like that was something that they like you know didn't manage to solve when they were designing it I guess the big question I have is like, why even have an army like that, right? Like, um, yeah. Like, and that's not me just saying it because I can imagine how, how frustratingly lame it would be for me to play as a <laughs> WDG character against it. But like, um, that's but a really like, bad matchup for warriors, actually. But like, if you, if you've got an army that basically, if everyone plays really well. Either they're gonna win a little bit or they're gonna lose a little bit. If everybody plays well, that doesn't sound like no, like very I, interesting to me, yeah. right? Like it sounds, it sounds to me like what you have to do is be extremely cautious because that army is so dangerous that you cannot, you cannot risk anything, right? Well, that, that's basically it, right? You have to, yeah. you have to play it really carefully. 
and you have to have kind of like a really strategic tactical game which is not necessarily a bad thing yeah, I, I like to to me. I think I think it's also the reason it's like this is that there's a, like a lot of people who play dwarves are very conservative and they like the way that things are. You know, like they they have these things that they're very attached to. So changing it dramatically is difficult. So that's kind of led to the fact that not a lot of of it has changed and it's kept things that might not work that well in the, in Knife Age as a game. Yeah, and, and my so my question is really like. Is it, like, do you pander to a group of players instead of trying to balance the game properly? Yeah, and that, I mean, that's the difficult part of it being community, uh, like, driven. It's just the fact that, like, if you're going to ask the community for feedback, then, like, a lot of people are going to, like, use that to really, like, push their opinion if they feel strongly about something, right? Sure, sure, but I mean... It's just difficult to get away from that group of people if they're very loud, for like, example. Oh, I, I totally understand. I mean, working in games, like, I totally understand that, like, um, the people, like, the the vocal minority can really make themselves sound like the angry majority, right? Yeah. Like, they're quite capable. It's because, ev just because everybody else isn't talking because they don't care, right? So you yeah. end up getting a whole bunch of people basically in a sound in in like a in an echo chamber, all saying like this blows. We're gonna fucking ruin everything. You guys all suck, you know. And then you're just like, oh well, I guess the whole community hates us. It's like no, just everybody else is just living their lives, man. There's just these like eleven yeah. dudes that like don't want to lose at tournaments anymore, that or like don't want to start losing at tournaments that are having a problem. But I mean, my. One of the things that attracted me to this game was the idea that because it's an like sort of an open source game that's community driven that's that's designed in a way unlike the GW systems that are arguably designed to sell minis this is designed in a way to create a balanced game yeah for like for like uh, you know, tournament play all the way from your tabletop in your bed, like in your basement, all the way to the international championships, right? It's like the idea is to create a game that is so that is that is so meticulously carefully created that it works it works on all levels, and it's not just there to sell minis, right? And, you know, that's the thing that happens with a lot of competitive games. Uh, you know, also with the Games Workshop games is quite clear. You know, they introduce a new, they introduce a new uh, version of, uh, of Warhammer. And the, the big thing that I hear from people is, okay, so, you know, now this army is OP, right? Like they changed all the rules and this army is OP. And it turns out that that army was like lame before and nobody bought those minis. And now yeah. all of a sudden, everybody's buying those minis. It's like a way for them to sell stock. You know what I mean? <laughs> From year to year. Casme, uh, you know what? Yeah. yeah. I, l I love that Alex is new, and he's always already hates dwarves. I love it. So I'm just <laughs> makes, makes me so happy. All I'm saying is that is that is that if this is if this game's ever going to stand on its own, right? Yeah. They they have to they have to continually. The development team has to continually strive towards balance, and pandering to a group of players is not how you balance a game. No, I I totally agree, and I think that there, I think that there is a lot of 
like scope within the theme of dwarves to make it more interesting but i think that's also the issue is that there's some things that we you know like the people have taken for granted as like oh these this is what dwarves don't do or this is what dwarves do that kind of make it more boring in general like like stuff like well they shouldn't have any magic and you're like well that's like a really dynamic interesting part of the game and you're just gonna throw it out for this army that's gonna be very like it's gonna be very difficult to make that interesting yeah. and also the fact that they're like everything has to be slow and you're like well the whole game revolves around movement so like you know like i feel like maybe some of those uh, restrictions need to be looked at when they do the book in order to make it more engaging for the opponent to play against i mean i don't understand why they have to be slow like is it because they're short they because small legs yeah but it's, you ever seen a it's, run? it's just like well I, i've seen <laughs> i saw gimli run across the entire the entirety of middle earth yeah he was behind the human and and the elf but that was a long distance he even has a whole speech about how Dwarves are good, short distances. Dwarves are good at sprinters, sprinters. right? <laughs> dwarves are sprinters, right? They should have. A, they could have a decent fucking charge ability, yeah. right? No, no, I, I agree. Like to me, the thing. So the maybe thing their march rate me. is shit, but their but their charge their charge value is different, right? It's guys. This, this is so off topic. Let's let's keep, let's try and. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Henry. You're gonna have a hell of a, a hell of a time editing this. I'll, the, I'll keep it in. It is several episodes. <laughs> So, but, so what did what did you think about the story, Casimir? I thought it was quite cool, like that. But I, I have to say that the cool the coolest thing for me was to that it was written from the perspective of a vermin, and like I've been like thinking a lot about Vermisform recently, and also uh, they just released the new guidelines for for Vermisform on the forum. How they're gonna like you know the ideas, the the themes of the new book, and it was quite so in that sense that that was the thing that really stood out to me, like this talk about. Uh, like the Latin, the talk about, uh, the, or the way they talked about themselves, like this idea that they see themselves as uh, as like quite superior, but uh, in, in, at least in a very different way from uh, how it used to be back in Warhammer. Yeah, it's it is neat to to get like a little peek into the into the characters in that way, and like or into into not necessarily the characters but into the psyche of the of the races is, this is the yeah. first time you actually read any ninth age background right uh no i mean I, I i read so especially for wars of the dark gods i read i've actually now read through all of it the warriors yeah. book because uh i was really interested in um in some of the in some of the units, um, and especially some of the mounts and stuff, um, and so I wanted to read the descriptions of them because I wanted to get a better idea of like. I thought yeah. maybe that would help me get an idea of like the intent, the design intention behind them. Is yeah. you know the description helps me think about like how you're supposed to play with them. I guess, I guess you're actually like how ones. how you actually want to build the model. Yeah. Also, that that can that could help a little bit. I mean, when we were talking to Pete, he he's really really like excited about the the death wheel or whatever the flying death wheel oh the scythe sky wheel yeah the scythe sky wheel you know yeah. the, the blade the bladed mayhem um and when i talked to you about it you were like no that thing's shit like <laughs> don't use that and then, I, I think it's okay yeah and then uh and then, I, I and, and then he was like oh man you should totally put your sorcerer on that forget that battle shrine that thing's useless you battle know like, shrine is really good. don't do that and i was like and I was like, but it's pretty. I was like, you can't really put you can't put it in a unit. Like he's he's all alone now, you know. Like 
Sith the sorcerer all by himself. <laughs> you know, flying on a sky wheel. Like, okay, great. <laughs> so he's got movement where he can move over units, but like, he's toast. I mean, know? it's just a sorcerer. Yeah. It's just a sorcerer. You can put, um, a, I think you can put a chosen lord on a sky wheel, though. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, so to me, I think that it's quite expensive. And like the, the issue with the sky wheel is that it marches really far, so you can like outmaneuver people, but then the charge range is quite short, so you can get zoned pretty easily. What's the what's the advance in march rate? Like the advance is like six and the march is I don't know, eighteen, something like like it's something quite high. Okay. So it's, so like so the idea is that you shouldn't be able to just, you know, put it in front of somebody's army and they can't move, but instead you have to like kind of fly it around the flank, I guess. Okay. Cool. I mean, I I fully I fully intend to use the sky wheel when I get round to my warriors army. I'll say I, I say I also have a conversion where I like I have a, a dude on kind of a on a sky wheel like on a platform, and then I have that as part of a, a chariot, so it's like chained to a beast. And the idea is to magnetize it, so I can just remove it from the chariot beast and then play it as a sky wheel also. Oh, nice! Ah, that's a cool idea. So dual purpose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I kind of messed up. I, I had I just built uh, the chariot that I bought, and um, I ended up doing it with the Karkadan on the front. Yeah. Um, is, it, is it Games Workshop model? Yeah, it's a Game Workshop, Games Workshop one. And then I realized that uh, I what I should have done is like made it so I could like swap out the horses and the I have 8 million magnets <laughs> I could totally convert it and then I could put on their feet magnets and then in the terrain <laughs> magnets you, lo you love the magnets and so I could magnetize the whole All thing about the and have it magnetized magnets plus magnets plus magnets equals awesome Okay, guys. So back the, to the giant. So the Empire of Soul Soul Giant. Before we get any further down a rabbit hole, you're right. <laughs> I'm gonna get some wine as well before we go. That's a good. That's a good idea. Yeah, We're almost out nice. here. So back to the Empire of Sonstal, Imperial Giant. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, go for it. Yeah. So this, so this one, um, uh, so in this one, first they talk about like uh, how it's like a letter to the Emperor, and uh, it talks about first how difficult it is to equip the the, uh, the giants because they just like kind of wander off after a while. Yeah. It's like yeah. you make all this shit for them, and then they're like, "Ah, fuck it, bye." <laughs> it's like, but can I get the helmet back? Uh, can I just? <laughs> no, I'm leaving. Yeah, which is is quite quite funny. And then the thing I really liked about this is that like one of the versions you can take the giant as is like a, a like a huge flag flagellant, and they'd say that that's kind of when the giants start listening to their prelates and their preachers, and they like you know they're quite impressionable, so they become like really firmly believers of Sana. And uh, go like you know, cause a lot of trouble for people who you know they aren't like uh, <laughs> you know like religious. aren't taking the Lord's word, like word name in the vein and shit like that. So they are Amish. <laughs> yeah, basically. 
Oh, somebody should make an Amish giant with like the curls. <laughs> and overalls. <laughs> Mads, if you're listening, next giant you do for your Empire Sunstar? Yeah. Yeah, you can have three of them, man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, th- I thought it was quite cool, like how they described the uh, the big fan of Sunday Giant. Yeah, that's it. I actually didn't realize it until I read the fluff that the, the upgrade is called Big Fan of Sunna. <laughs> <laughs> big fan. Yeah. My big fan. And like Sunna is the god, right? Yeah. So the, how close is um, the Empire in this to the Empire in um, DW? It's close but distinctly different, I would say. So Sunna and Sigmar are not similar god-wise. Hmm... Well, I mean, in in some senses, they they are like in the sense that both of them, like from we what we gather from the like what's been released so far, both of them are like actual figures that have existed in history and then kind of became enshrined as as gods. Yeah, in, the, in like, that respect, like, they're similar. Okay. Yeah. But Sunna is more is more of a John of Arc kind of feeling. At least that's what I've got so far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's inspired by different things. I would yeah, say. Yeah, whereas like Sigmar is really just like Conan the Barbarian became an emperor, basically. That that's Sigmar in, in War Fantasy. Yeah, nice. Yeah, whereas Sunra is more like yeah the Joan of Arc figure that kind of saved the empire in its darkest days and then became a god later. Yeah. Okay. Like kind of like I get the feeling that's a similar like the mechanic is really like people started worshipping her and then just the power of their belief kind of made it into reality like uh, that made, like made her like made the, her worship have like kind of religious power okay yeah so yeah I thought this was quite cool like it shows this this one really shows like how uncontrollable the giants are like yeah. even, even though it's it's kind of they made armor for it, they made weapons for it, like for the right size and fit it and everything, and then then they then it just like walks off and they can't control it. And then the other kind of side of it is that the they get an idea in the head and then they they're like a big worshiper of fan of Sunna and then they can't control it again because because it's too it's kind of too. Um, too religious, <laughs> sort of obsessed. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. So, so basically, it's just like yeah, just don't let the giants come into the army because they can't be controlled. Yeah. yeah I thought it was pretty neat. Like, you could also a good explanation for why you don't see them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a shame that they that they didn't show the the uh, what do you call it the. the the oh, giant, man. the giant repeater version. Yeah. Oh man, that sounds. I mean, that sounds so cool. Like, it, <laughs> you definitely like. Yeah. I, when you read those rules, you're like, I just, I really want to play with a giant with a massive repeater. <laughs> yeah. Did it? Did this supplement make you want to convert any giants for your armies? Uh, do you have a? Well, yeah. Do you, do you have an empire army, Casper? No, no, like I do have a lot of like random armies that I haven't used in a while, but I'm kind of picking them up. But uh, maybe, maybe the vermin is one one. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure because the dwarf one, like, I, I like the idea of making a giant with a big fake beard. 
<laughs> and I have a mole, which I might do that for, but I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But like, I, I don't really want to make like an armored giant. I'd much rather than make like some kind of uh, like the the uh, seeker one with uh, tattoos and axes and stuff. That would be more cool. Yeah, I think, I think you could, like you could get like um, just, a 54 millimeter seeker model. Yeah, I could do. Could do. I mean, I also have one of those like old metal games workshop giants. I kind of want to make that one with a fake beard. <laughs> and he also has like a bear's chest and stuff. So maybe if I give him like an axe, so he has some kind of club right now. So if I give him two axes or something, yeah, uh, that would work. Good. He has like a turtle shell uh, as a helmet. So maybe I need a oh, new yeah, head. That one. Yeah, but I, I love the turtle shell helmet though. Like I just love the idea that this giant saw a turtle and he's like, that shit's fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> I have um I have a few giant heads if you want them. Oh, yeah. yeah, I could do like it's something I can make a crest on. Was it Henry? Was it you that was doing a conversion of like a of like an Incredible Hulk figure, or did I see that online? Maybe. But it's like that the dimensions of like the Incredible Hulk. He kind of looks like a giant dwarf. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, that's true. I can see that. Like his physical proportions, whereas like. A lot of the giants that you see, they make them long, you know, like yeah, like, like long legs, long arms, long legs, long arms, yeah. and long bodies. Like they are really elongated uh, characters, whereas like the Hulk is like kind of like a brick with yeah. long, with and his arms are a little long and his his legs are almost <laughs> always sure. bent. Yeah, so they definitely look kind of stubby. He looks like a giant kid, you know. Yeah, you can probably get like an Incredible Hulk action figure. Yeah. Yeah, for and sure. Then, or like not even an action figure, but, but like a one of these, like more of a model, right? Like action figure would have like moving parts. Like get like a get like a collector's model or something, where he's already yeah, posed, and then you could I like. I made uh, two of my UD giants from uh, like uh, Kratos um, action figures, and it's, it's not that hard to seal the movable legs. You just like put okay. lots of glue and some st- like uh, green stuff and stuff in the joints. Yeah, you, you okay. use like an action man, right? Yeah, I have two of them actually. Like both are from Big Axeman. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. So, w- without talking more about dwarves, <laughs> this, this podcast is giving dwarves enough airtime. So, the Highborn high Elves giant. Yes, so it's so I guess you're gonna get so much hate mail, so much like dwarf dwarf fanboy hate mail. And you're like, how dare you? How dare you shit talk my awesome fucking army <laughs> that I stand in the corner I go to every tournament and I spend 16 hours on the weekend standing in a corner 16 hours no, no, let's, let's be fair you spend like 10 minutes in the yeah. actual game then you shake on a 10 and you go drink beer instead <laughs> true dwarf fashion yeah no but everyone hates dwarves so so it's gonna be fine <laughs> so that's what I should do is I should actually start with a dwarf army and then I actually, I'll go to a ton of tournaments, score medium <laughs> across the board, never play, and get really drunk and make a bunch of friends. Yeah, yeah. You won't make friends idea. playing dwarves. Well, no, I will because of the drinks. Right? Well, only if you, only if you persuade them to shake on a 10-10. Either, either, well, probably not the guys I'm playing, but the other dwarf players, and maybe some some other people who are just at the bar. Like, I, I hate to break to you, but there's, there's not that many dwarf players, so... No. Okay. Like, you don't, like, you don't have a huge group of friends right there. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't own any dwarves either, so... <laughs> anyway. This man... <laughs> <laughs> not a podcast about dwarves. <laughs> but it is, Henry. It is. Okay, sorry. Highborn elves. <laughs> so the, the highborn giant. This is what, this is what the, 
the podcast usually is about, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, so do you want to take the drink? Yeah, I guess I should take this one. So I, I, don't, I didn't really like this one, actually. I thought it was a bit weird. Mm. It's like um, the, the giant kind of just... It comes out of the water, some kind of like weird like harbour master kind of giant. Yeah. No, it's hanging out on the, on the top of the harbour, isn't it? Yeah, so it's like obviously like employed by the high elves to um, to serve on the island where they receive all their trade delegations, which I found a bit strange. But I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense, but I, I don't think they really did it justice. I want to know like how how it came to be like adopted by the high elves a little bit more than yeah like I agree, I agree with you here it's just like it's a for example here you have the the thing with the eyes again in the uh, like second to last paragraph it says like his eyes were sharp searching for all signs and threats like it just sounds like a lot more intelligent i guess just because it's with the elves but there's no explanation for like why why that is i guess I think maybe what they're what they're kind of implying, like with the eyes, is that the like the giant see, giant do kind of thing. Like yeah. the giants take on whatever culture they are exposed to, and that's that's kind of shown in their eyes in some way. Yeah, but th- but then as you say, like how how did the elves actually like accept the giant? Like they're supposed to be a little bit hoity-toity, right? Like... Yeah, especially the high one elves. Yeah. So what kind of bums me out about this is. When I read through um, the write-ups, I didn't kind of, I didn't kind of get the vibe that uh, the that each of these uh, giants was actually that they were all from the same sort of giant land, you know, and then they were taking on the um, the culture the culture of other groups. I actually thought they were giants from within, like giant elves. <laughs> Yeah, like so. This so this was like an this was like a, a giant that the highborn elves had a specific a special relationship with. It's not a regular giant that they've employed, but it's like a highborn elf giant, right? So it's like smarter. It's yeah, you know, it's it's this thing drinks uh wine like elvish wine out of a giant glass. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't drink out of barrels. You know, like a. <laughs> Like a beast herd. Like a beast herd. <laughs> they make they manufacture yeah. like a special wine glass for it. Of course they do, because they're elves <laughs> and they they they're like, there's no way you're gonna have dinner with us. It's like you're not drinking out of a cup. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, or like you're not you're not just drinking out of the barrel, right? Like how dare you? Like we put the we put the we put the wine from the barrel. If you sit at the table, you drink from a glass. <laughs> into a into a flask and the flask goes into the goes into a glass and then the glass goes into your mouth. And so if we have to go barrel to giant glass, that's what we're gonna do. But you're gonna you're gonna hold your pinky finger up and you're gonna drink like a proper proper socialite, right? Like that's what I was expecting. Like, cause cause also like the giant dwarf, to me it was like it sounded like he's a giant dwarf, not he's a giant who's yeah. in the dwarf kingdom, right? It sounded like a giant dwarf. But but I think it is like a giant dwarf. It's like a dwarf. Like if you imagine like dwarfism in humans. It's the same as dwarfism in giants. There's like a random giant that becomes a dwarf yeah, but, from yeah, genetic but, mutation. Yeah, but the dwarves... Yeah, it just feels more comfortable with the dwarves. Yeah, but the dwarves aren't... <laughs> the dwarves are fantasy dwarves. They're not humans that have like all decided to go hang out or, together. Or maybe it's the Amish giants that converts to Judaism and joins the dwarves. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. 
My point is, <laughs> I'm slightly disappointed, right? You, you just wanted it to, to be like an actual like giant dwarf. When I imagine like each of these giant types, and they were kind of described, my imagination filled in the rest where I sort of made them part of that group. So like the, the dark elf giant who's like jumping off the boat or to me jumping on the boat, it was like he's comfortable in the water. He's, you know, he's like some kind of like, He's actually like an elf giant. Yeah, like he's a dark elf giant. Like, like who, he's part of that club. He's part of that culture. It just made, to me, it was like, he he's built for this. No, it's actually, it's actually like a giant that, that's a giant, but it's joined the dread elves. Right. Yeah, so, so it is like part of the culture, right? It's just that he, he's like an immigrant, right? He comes from the outside and yeah. like that, that so like this, he learns to take on their... Uh, you know, so their, this highborn uh, giant in the in this story, the highborn elves are like, yeah, I guess we'll give this dumb, dumb simpleton a fucking cool-ass cloak and a giant spear and a huge bow. Yeah. And then we'll teach him how to use them so he's not completely useless because he's basically only used to swinging a club. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, no, I, yeah, I think some then, of them... Then we'll like, let him watch the ships in the harbour. <laughs> and then, he's fucking, it turns out he's fucking useless. So we just had him, we just have him stand like the Colossus at the mouth of the fucking harbour. To, to make sure people think that we've got this thing guarded super well, but we actually don't, because that guy can't hit shit with that bow. <laughs> he's so, a giant. So, like, question, question. Do you, do you guys think that the highborn giant is fat or slim like an elf? He's slim like an elf because he he, oh, so only, he only eats vegetables. Yeah, because he's on keto, right? Yeah, he's on keto like all the night age community. This is yeah, like, like a meme, like a trope, Alex. You have to learn yeah. that all the night age community is on keto because with keto you can think with a clear head and you can play ninth age. But if you yeah, play yeah. Age of Sigma, you don't need to be on a keto diet because it's a lot simpler. I see. Exactly. Exactly. Like you notice when you meet players from other game systems, a lot fatter. <laughs> Noted. Um, but no, I think that he looks like a... Like I told you, in my mind, he's just an elf that's gigantic. Like that's, I think he's got pointed ears and long golden but, hair. But you know he's not an elf because he's not got lightning reflexes. Well, because he's a fucking giant. <laughs> but if he was an elf giant, he would have lightning reflexes. Yeah, like, why doesn't he have, have lightning reflexes? Because he's too giant. big. <laughs> the amount of time it takes for his brain to signal his arm is like 50 times longer than an elf's, right? Like he's, he, he's humongous. The nerve and the nerves are, are like super long comparably. <laughs> it takes like light seconds to go between. So basically he's a, he's a, a, a giant elf. So he has not lightning reflexes, but just normal reflexes. You know, he's not slow. He's just plain. His agility three. Yeah, that's pretty. S same as normal giants. Yeah, normal. <laughs> I I think anyway that this I agree with you that this one is like uh, like I would have appreciated some uh, more insight on how like it like cause it seems pretty you know unlikely that a giant would become part of a highborn elf community. Whereas like for the dread elves, I I think. I can accept it a little bit more because they're they're already slavers and they like use labor of other races to do stuff. Like it makes sense that they would like maybe enslave a giant and train it or something. But 
<laughs> but like for the hybrid else, I just like I don't really see it. It would be funny to have the story actually talk about like how he came to be there. Yeah, I, I would like a little bit more expansion. I think on this one. Okay, so the next one is the Kingdom of Equitain Giant. Oh yeah, this one's just a poem. So I think this is actually the best one in the I mean, book. Tell- like, I like the I like the way that the writers approach this because it's got. It's it's just it's different, and I like Prod, you know, <laughs> like as a character. It's, a cool name. it's just his name's Prod, and he probably sticks things with his fucking tribal war spear or whatever the fuck, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, can, can you tell Alex has been playing Warriors? <laughs> you know, you actually Prod things, but uh, but yeah, like it's, I mean, it's a cute little story about a giant, right, who's trying to trying to do the right thing in the kingdom of Equitane. You know, when I read it, I, I just I had a little smile on my face. I, I like this sort of medieval... I, I'm glad that they kept it to three paragraphs, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, like... <laughs> uh, well, like, medieval poem, like, if Chauc- if this was, like, a Chaucer-esque story, yeah, I mean, like, and it was, like, seven pages of like, fucking poetry, <laughs> like, shoot me in the face, but, like... You know what I mean? I don't want to read the Canterbury Tales version of Prod's story. But, like, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I loved it. I thought it was lovely, you know. Yeah. I I think the poems that they do in the the fluff is actually quite good in general. Yeah, there there are some really talented writers in the background team. Yeah, like all the ones in the Demon Legion book are also, like, quite good as well. Unfortunately, I didn't do any of these. Uh, so you're saying that you're not the talented like mystery no. man? No, not me, not me. Uh, no, I'm not pure, Mister Mister Talented. Oh, don't be sad, Henry. Everything's everything's gonna be okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> you still have you know the podcast, the scroll, you know your general life. It's, it's everything's good. I, I did some stuff for the Infernal Dwarfs book. You'll, you'll see that soon. Nice. So um, I saw this. Uh, on a, on a sm- small side note, I saw this like funny question on the on the forum, which was like, "Why can't we have a united chaos army like they have in Games Workshop?" Um, and you know, the answer was, "Well, you know, that's a pretty those things are pretty OP. Basically, you're taking like like the game try the game's trying to be balanced, and if you can take like stuff from Infernal Dwarves, Wars of the Dark Gods, and the Demon Armies." And just like combine them, then you're gonna end up having like an OP army. And I and my opinion to that is, how is that different than all the other armies I don't play? <laughs> like, just give me all that OP shit. Like, get fucked, man. Come on, let me, let me kick somebody in the nuts with my fucking crazy army. Everybody else has got one. Why can't I have one too? <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I'll be over here just getting my ass whooped. It's okay. No big deal. It's like everybody who thinks that like soldiers with a bunch of armor that also have some demon sensibilities, basically rock and rollers like me, <laughs> it, like it's just like well you win at life so you not have to lose at this game. Like I just... <laughs> uh, yeah, you have to give us nerds some room, you know. Oh please, I am a giant nerd. 
So speaking of giants. Yes. <laughs> Excellent segue. So, so this poem is, is about how, how this oh, yeah, we didn't giant frog can be uh, knighted, basically. Yeah. So th- this is the giant that appears later. So I was I was mistaken. Mm. I, I I thought this was really cool. Um, so it's like uh, the giant's like employed to do like farm work and stuff. This this is like a, a giant success story. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a giant success story. <laughs> so this is when like uh, the giant successfully integrates with the community it's trying to join. And um, and he slays like a, a werewolf, and then they actually knight the giant, and the and the giant then I guess successfully lives on in the community. But then he becomes like a proper like he's not he doesn't just live on in the community. He becomes a proper knight, yeah. and they give him a a wooden horse. A wooden horse, yeah, <laughs> which is like a hobby, hobby like horse. I can't wait for somebody to make that. Which I think is like is like how <laughs> a bunch of like noble like rich like noblemen knights and stuff. Like that's how they're like kind of dicks to him, right? They're like, yeah, you're bigger and crazier and stronger than us, so like here's a wooden horse, and then he's like, I got my own horse, that's awesome, and then they're like, yeah, you get a, you get your own horse, prod, good on you, and they're all just like har 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 har, and he's like, I love my horse, <laughs> can I call it Daisy? I'm gonna charge, I'm gonna charge into battle with you, and they're like, sure you are, prod har har. You know, like we're a bunch of rich noblemen from France. Screw you all, right? Like, like I, you know, like I just think it's, I think it's kind of like they made a big, like it's a big joke, right? Like the wooden horse to me is a joke. Like there's nothing, there's no reason for him. But but he gets no, swift, no, no. he gets swift stride though. Yeah, there's no. <laughs> so it works. Yeah, I mean because he he, because like in his head, in his head he thinks it's awesome. Sorry, what, Casimir? Like, like you know, you know these like bikes for kids that aren't really bikes. They're actually just like two wheels, and then the kid goes with their like feet yeah, for, on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm imagining. So like, it goes actually like a little bit faster because he's like pushing these wheels forward. <laughs> yeah, it's a trainer. It's a trainer. Trainer training horse. wheels. <laughs> it's a trainer horse. Yeah, it's hilarious. I just, I'm just imagining him on this like. Basically, I don't. When I imagine it, I don't actually imagine him even sitting on a horse. I imagine that. It's a thing he like puts on. Like I don't know if you've ever seen those like Halloween <laughs> Halloween costumes where like the, where like the fake legs the feet, the feet stick out the bottom. The fake legs come out the side, you know, it's like, like an ostrich or something. Right? And then like your your feet are in the bottom and then it's just on your body with suspenders and then there's like fake 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 riding legs on the side of the saddle and you just run around with it. I just imagine that he's like that. He's just like got this giant wooden thing strapped to him where he's like, I'm a, I'm a knight. And they're just like, you sure are, man. You sure are. Now go smash those orcs. <laughs> like, but he can, I get, got he can get lunch as well. Yeah, yeah, because, because he's a dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. I mean, you're saying all these things, and they just play into the like the story that I feel like I'm building here. <laughs> like, I'm like, yes, he also gets. Yes, prod, you can have a lance too. Like, no problem. Har 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 har. Right. And all the knights are like, so then we gave him a lance. <laughs> you're just imagining like the Monty Python sketch where the guys in the castle is like, oh, we gave him a lance. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. <laughs> we told him he was a knight. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Brad, you are a knight. Very good, very good. <laughs> Apologies to anybody whose accent you feel like I'm insulting. Yeah, sorry but, to uh, the French people that we're insulting. Oh, we're doing uh, French. Not really, but <laughs> they are French. It could have been it could have been Spanish or Portuguese. To be honest, I, uh, I'm not that good at accents. Um, so so this is one that we liked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, this was very good. Winner. Yeah, unfortunately, this was where like I didn't have time uh, to read the ones after this, so you okay. have to describe it to me. Okay, well, we, we, some we'll, of them get they get kind of funny. We'll we'll take it we'll take it for you. So do you remember the next one, Alex? Yes. I remember the next one. So the Saurian ancients have a dude that carries a salamander that breathes fire. It's yeah. basically like he walks around with a salamander in his hand and then he like points it at people and pulls its tail. It's just the meanest thing. It's like it's like if you've read of mice and men, it's like, you know, tell me about the rabbits, George. Like they gave, they actually gave him a rabbit. And then, and then he that ends up killing fire. it, right? And that breeze fire, and he's like, "I love you. You're a beautiful salamander." <laughs> and then he just like yanks on the tail and blasts a flamethrower across the battlefront. I mean, it's awesome and terrifying. What I think is weird about this, again, I'm just—I told you that that I'm going to come with a little bit of sass on, on most of these do, things. Do it, bro. I love the sass. Like, okay, so this giant, again, is a normal giant who joins the lizard people. Yeah. And the lizard people are like, yeah, you're cool, dude. Come hang out with us. Here's a salamander. You know, like, please stop picking up our king and fucking petting him. You know, like, like, he's just like, I like frogs. And, like, just grabs some dude and just starts, like, petting him and squeezing him. And they're like, uh, please put him down. And then he's just like, okay. And then they're like, take a salamander. He's like, okay, great. And, like, I just wanted a cool pet lizard. Like, this is the dude who just wanted walked all the way to the beach so he could find a cool pet lizard and they're like and they're like you can have you can have jimmy okay <laughs> jimmy barely knows <laughs> like but like jimmy cheated on his jimmy cheated on his wife and this is like the sour the saurian fucking punishment for doing that now he's got to get his tail pulled by a giant for <laughs> the next six battles you know like <laughs> Like from what, what from your descriptions, I'm just imagining that these all these giants are like just autistic, like autistic giants that just wander out in the world and like do shit. And they're like, oh, it's not murder. He's like not aware of what's happening. I mean, they're like I think that they're like, you know, my understanding of a giant is that they're slow, right? Like not that they're like mentally disabled, but that they that they don't really they don't ever really get any farther than that, except for the highborn one, because obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know he's probably he's probably got the intelligence of like an eight year old, but everybody else is a lot slower than that. Is my guess. Um, but yeah, this is my kind of my kind of understanding of the of the lizard the lizard folk version of this giant. Again, and it drives me mental. If, if you look closely, the the giant actually has armor too, so it has scaly skin. Oh shit. I mean, is it that the description, scaly skin? No, no, but it's on the profile. Okay. So it is. So it is somewhat like a lizard giant. Yeah, or they like skinned a bunch of their own like... people and gave them a T-shirt. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like, the implication would be pretty crazy that if a giant spends enough time with lizards, he like starts to grow scales. 
Or maybe he like you know how like um like have you ever seen that thing where if people lick a toad, uh, actually it creates like a bacterial or fungal infection on their tongue that makes it grow like this weird like scaly furry thing on your tongue like it's really disgusting. Have you ever seen that? Uh, no. no. Don't, <laughs> don't Google it. Don't Google it now. But it's super gross. Um, or for those of you at home, totally Google it now. Um, <laughs> But, like, basically, maybe he just keeps licking the pet salamander, and then he gets this, like, horrible, horrible infection all over like, his body. Like in Game of Thrones with the stone men? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, like, a it's just a bacterial infection or a fungus. It Sl- slowly or just grows, like, a second skin. No. But, yeah, I, th- I thought the, the mind link description was quite cool as well. Oh, totally. That is really neat. So, like, the obviously, like, the, the rule is that they can... They can like mind meld with the with the quattles, and it's kind of um, described a little bit in the background. So, so what happens? Are they like mind controlled or something? Yeah, so they they kind of get like a really bad headache, basically. And just start casting pyromancy spells everywhere. Well, yeah. I think they're just they're just a channel. Yeah. So, so in the in the rules, they can do the um, telepathic link. And the, and that means and, that you can measure range from them, right? Yeah, so the, basically you can cast spells through the giants. So this is kind of justified in the background by um, the giants getting like uh, waving their arms around and getting a big headache and then, and then getting angry. <laughs> which, which to me makes complete sense. Yeah, definitely. I, I do like the idea that like they basically get this like migraine and then just start fucking blasting people with magic. <laughs> yeah, but like they don't even know what they're doing. No, they right? no like that's the key point. Is like he's just sitting there like holding this salamander, being like, "I got a headache," Blah! you know, and then like <laughs> lasers come out of his eyes or whatever, right? Like or lightning bolts. It's just, it's. I think that's cool, but also. Sass. I'm sassing it. <laughs> I'm hitting it with a bit of sass. Yeah, I think I think this one's quite cool. Uh, I don't know how useful it is, but I think it's quite cool. I mean, do, do, does this uh, army have any other channeling? Like, yeah, can they yeah, channel you, to you other can, units? You can, there's a few other models that can do it. There's like a skink that rides like um, a dinosaur that can do it. Dope. And you can do it through the other like skink priests. Yeah, like I, I would assume that the it's not the mind link that's good here. It's more the salamander. Yeah, the, sal- like. the salamander one is the go-to. Yeah. Do you have one of these armies, Casimir? Uh, no, no. So I have like the I have a UD army and a Vermisfar army. That's my two painted armies. Then I also have a, a dwarf army that that's not painted, obviously. Yeah, it's just because I, I feel like army that's also halfway. After seeing like your airbrush. Uh, skills i just feel like painting lizards would be right up your alley yeah yeah like i think i've thought about it a few times but i just don't like how they play it's not like it's not my play style yeah yeah you don't do all the double flea sorry you you don't want to do all the double flea no exactly and it's just kind of or at least everybody i've played with them it just seems i don't know like a little bit boring i guess which is weird because I'm painting a dwarf right now, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it's just something about how the lizards play that just seems like it's always like a big sour block with a, with a slam or a quartal in it. 
and it just kind of, I don't know, it just doesn't appeal to me. But it would be really fast to paint. I just think like the the dinosaurs are fun. I like dinosaurs, so I would like to do a saw and ancient something one day maybe. So anyway, silver notes. <laughs> so actually, this is one that I didn't really like that much. Again, with the heavy investment in elves. Um. Yeah. So, so what what is it uh, about this time? The the story is like a high elf hunting party goes for a hunt, and then. Um, they're hunting this deer, and then like, kind of, they see something, some kind of shadowed figure in the undergrowth. This giant arrow comes, the size yeah. of a horse comes whistling through the air and obliterates an oak tree. Yeah. <laughs> right? And they're just like, what the what frig the was that? <laughs> like, Let's get the heck out of here, bros. Yeah. And eventually, like, by the end, whether there's the guys have fled or they've been killed by this, like... They're, like, back on the in, road. Interloper. There's, like, one the one guy left. And then he, he gets to, like... He's almost about to kill kill the deer that he's hunting. And then the deer gets killed by this, like, unknown archer. And then, uh, then obviously, he sees the archer and he's like, Fuck this, I'm, I'm leaving. Because he's massive and he's got this bow that's, like, 12 feet, 12 feet long. And yeah. Then, yeah, and that's about it. But it, you kind of, for me, I was kind of left with, I was like left with um, like more questions than I was started with. Yeah, I mean, but that's a isn't that a common theme for a lot of uh, the fluff in the knife edge though? Yeah, I guess I guess so. But it was like, I th- I think it I think it it would have been more interesting to do the breakdancing giant. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Rather than like a, a random, dancing giant. like a random archer giant. Yeah, like because again, you have this thing where it, it, it doesn't appear a lot. Oh, like yeah. uh, as you say, you don't learn that much about the giant or how it came to be. Like an archer, just like learn that oh well, Sylvan shoot bows, and so does this one. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, how, how did this giant get to E Beleg on on the island of Khalid Alban? Like. Is there is there a giant community there? Like, how did it get there? How did like Just, the uh, gone on a boat, bro? How did the highborn giants not like catch it before it got there? With their sharp eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here's I'm I'm coming with the sass again, right? Which is I love the sass. Which is just like what the fuck, dudes? Um, so <laughs> now so now you got a giant that's a fucking like what do you call them? Uh, like dance dance fighter <laughs> you know yeah sure uh blade, blade dancer blade dancer right i wanted i said it i just wanted to make sure it wasn't a bla- gw bla- turn blade dancer uh so like now you've got a giant that's a blade dancer like great can he join the blade dancing unit and just uh you know what i mean you can just like uh, imagine imagine if you could have a blade dancing giant as a war platform in a blade <sighs> dancer unit i i would like lose my shit <laughs> but also <laughs> Also, like, so besides that, which I think is lame, uh, <laughs> you know, and this sapling bow that's an artillery weapon, like, F off. It's the same as the Dread Elves and the Yeah, still F off. I didn't like it in those ones either. <laughs> On top of that, you've got this, <laughs> you got this crazy, like, these four, these four dancing moves are insane. <laughs> so good. 
Like, it's already a giant, and then you're like, okay, uh, I'll do belly dancing. Plus two offensive skill, plus two defensive skill. Okay, so I took a giant, which basically smashes everything, and I let it smash even more. Okay, then there's jump. Okay, plus one arm penetration and lethal strike. Oh, yeah, no big deal. But it, but that's the same as the... Oh, you haven't played against blade dancers yet. You're yeah, I, yes, so I did. Fun. I played against you when we made the massive table oh, of yeah, Chaos yeah. versus Sylvan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, th so like F that, <laughs> then you got tap dancing, stomp attacks, D6 plus two. That's not that big a deal. Most of the stomp attacks are just D6. Yeah. So he's getting plus two. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's lame that he's getting plus two, but whatever. But he's tap dancing. Yeah, but F that. Then the <laughs> twist, enemy units in base contact do not receive any rank bonus to their combat score. Uh, so, same as regular blade dancer moves. Yeah, yeah, great. So, again, <laughs> how come Warriors of the Dark Gods don't get a cool new giant? What the fuck is this shit? You just can cast spells, bro. My giant can cast spells. Yeah. Yeah, if I, if I spend a bunch of money, I can get a giant that casts spells. If you spend a bunch of money, this costs 60 points. 60 points for, yeah. for breakdancing. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so much. You get silver blades as well, bro. Oh, my God, it's so expensive. Yeah, like, oh, the silver blades are actually really big. Silver, bl silver blades are awesome. Dude, yeah. if I spend 60 points, I get super OP breakdance moves. Oh. Oh. How hard is it going <laughs> to be for me to decide to spend this money? Oh. <laughs> how many giants can I have in my army? <laughs> can I have seven? I'll take seven. Uh, two, maybe? I'll take two. Three. Three. Oh, three. <laughs> no problem. I'll take three. Three of those, please, sir. Uh, so it's a 4,500 point game. Yes, I've spent uh, 800 points. No problem. Uh, you're, would you Would you like to take a, like, how about, you know, this, forget 10-10 split. How about, like, I beat you 14-7. Uh, let's go get a beer. Yeah, that sounds good. You got those three blade dancing Sylvan Elves? <laughs> Selling out giants? Okay. Yeah, we can just call it a day now. <laughs> Dude, you, you just need to fucking play the broken shit in Warriors rather than yeah. the non-broken shit. I don't wanna I don't wanna teleport <laughs> table. <laughs> you need to yeah, like you need to just like look at some tournament lists and just try it out and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You get there. It's a process. I know. I will keep yeah. playing what I think is awesome until I finally snap, and then I will pick the the shit that's lame, and, yeah, be, but, and then but, we'll, but and then we'll all be on equal on equal footing. But I mean, you can also just you can also just play like the stuff that's like that you like and learn. Excuse me, like learn to play it well. That's that's what I do. I I don't play like the broken shit. I can no, play the that, broken shit if you want to. Fun. Like I, I can just play a gun line and, and shoot you off in two or three turns, but I don't. I, I play like a mixed arms high off list. Yeah, and also like the fact that you've played a, a dragon for forever and it's like not been that great for quite a lot of that period. I have to say. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's it's not considered like a a power choice. I don't think. No, definitely not. But like you just you just learn to play the stuff that you like, but you just have to keep playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's sort of how I how I look at it, right? Is is that I'm just gonna keep doing this stuff. But um, I think also, like part of it is also learning how to make a list with the stuff you like that is good. Like I, I think a good a good example is um, like I I want to the reason I like UD is to play chariots. 
and uh, I played cherries for a while in a way that worked, and then the rules changed, so that that way became a little bit worse. And then I kept playing it in the same way, but it didn't quite work anymore. But you know, like if I, I should probably you know like kind of re- remade the list, but still keeping the chariots, but you know using them in a way that like works better. Yeah, like change, changing around your items or changing around your list a little yeah, bit exactly. to make it suit exactly. your playstyle and what you want to do. Yeah. And again, I mean, I've only played ten games, including our quick start games, right? So, like, I'm not too. I'm not too. <laughs> like my my outrage is is somewhat over exaggerated for the sake of the podcast <laughs> as well, right? Like. Uh, like I'm, I'm doing it in part for 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 the glory of of, of Ammer Time. Uh, Just to be sassy on the podcast. I gotta sass it up, y'all. Uh, y'all gotta y'all gotta know the real me, Big Al. <laughs> the real Big Al. We're just gonna call you Sassy Al. Yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> Captain Sass. Captain Sass. I'm here to sass you. <laughs> you sassing me? Hell right! Hell damn right! I'm sassing you. I'm sassing you if, right all the way to Sass you, Town. If you get really into uh, Night Vegas, there's like another podcast called Maggot Radio. Yeah. And what they do is a guy called I think he's called Martin or Michael. He's a Spanish guy. And oh yeah. Every episode he has it's something called a salt mine. So like what he's really salty about. He just like rants for about three or four minutes about something. Awesome. Really funny. Yeah, like, Maybe we could give you a little segment like a sass segment. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's good, but the thing is that it, like. It has to be, I have to, it has to be, you have to make me face some more, some more varied shit. Right, so that, that just means I have an excuse to take all the broken shit and take you off. Yeah, you, need to just, like, <laughs> you just need to like drive me mental. <laughs> but just do it quickly so we can play another proper game after. <laughs> okay, we, like, we, we can do that next week. Because <laughs> like when I, because when I, when I take the whole day to come here and, and have a bit of fun. Set up all your models and yeah. then quickly get taken off. And then you just smash me. It's like, okay, do you want to play like a normal game now? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> You've humbled me now. Let's, oh, I'm taking notes for the SAS, for the SAS sesh. Let's continue. So the, the next one is the Verminous Giant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into the description of this one because I think that one was actually kind of interesting from what I remember and again in my imagination I thought it was like a giant rat this is what I kind of hoped it would be I thought it would be like a massive rat but it, it wasn't a massive rat okay. so because 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 it's a giant that the that the vermin have have like converted have been like cause they've yeah. been like Bro, come eat pizza with us. We're very cool. Would you like some pizza? Hey, my friend. Well, the vermin are not actually Italians. Like, but not really Italians. Like Italians in New York, you know, that like live in the sewers or something. My friend, come. Like, well, like, splint, like Splinter. Yeah, like Master Splinter. Like Master Splinter. My friend, come with me. I have very good things in the sewer here. Come on. I, I don't think I can fit in there, mister. No, no, it's good. Come on. It's good to pizza. Pizza. You're gonna like it. Come here, come with me. I got lots of friends. Oh, I want to meet friends, right? And then they're like, and then they just like, they just like infest him with a bunch of poison and shit. And they're like, ah, now you are a venomous giant. You are venomous. Jesus, <laughs> pasta. We it's got good you for you. We got you. Yes, this pasta. Patsy. We totally made it inside this sewer. Totally not gonna poison you. Uh, 
I think it's like, so basically they lure a giant into like the ratty sewers with them and then he ends up surviving all their nasty cooking. And then they're like, I guess you can be one of us. You know, like, I guess you're part of, <laughs> I guess you're part of the team. He's like Bane, you know, basically yeah, he's like, yeah. he was normal and now he's just been infested with like toxins and now he's just like, uh, I was born from this. Um... Anyway, yeah, I I, I kind of like this, but I I obviously this little narrative that we went on a tangent <laughs> on is because now I know it's an actual giant. But I really thought it was a rat, a giant rat. Yeah, it would it would have been kind of cool, I think, if yeah. if they'd have. There's, there's there's two ways of going down this route, isn't there? There's like one that's like okay, you you take the culture, and the giants come and join the culture, or you actually take like the race, and then you have a giant version of this race. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think this way is actually a little bit cooler. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it makes it a little bit more dynamic. I think yeah. because you get this giant that's like joining the faction, and it's so engrossed in the faction and it's so impressionable, and it, like and that kind of makes them a little bit stupid because they're so impressionable. Yeah, absolutely. And that they like really that they just do whatever they say like because they just want to make friends. It's like yeah, I will eat these like stodgy meatballs with with dark stone inside them. <laughs> no worries but I feel like maybe the high and they're like yes yes eat 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 yes, eat, yes. eat my friend eat you're gonna shit poison it's gonna be awesome um, but I feel like maybe in this case like the highborn elf is kind of like one one you know from Game of Thrones like he's actually kind of got like a deep he's a bit deep you know yeah. he's got some yeah. things to say you know it's hard to understand what he's saying but when he says stuff you're like oh man this, this guy's this guy's been around Jesus shit, bro. One, one, one's, one one's been around, yo. Yeah, I, I think this the story is pretty cool. Like, um, the like as, as they shoot him, like the gases like come out of his yeah, skin. Exactly. And then doesn't he have like a thing where if he dies, he blows up? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the rule yeah, is uh, uh, when bomb. the moles removed as a casualty, all these. All units within six inches suffer two d six toxic hits. Yeah, so that's, that's insanely good. <laughs> that means basically ruined. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's actually it's actually quite good. It's yeah. really cool. Toxic is so cr- so crazy, right? I now. also like but the idea that he, has, he, he only has ages. an inch of six yeah. as well. Say again, Kasma. I also like the thing that he only has an inch of six, so he's become like more scared of uh, stuff. What what, what six? Oh, d- ooh, discipline. Yeah, drink. That. We've actually run out of booze. <laughs> We've drank all the wine. Uh, can you go get into the bottle if you want? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's because there's a paper bag. Uh, you got a paper bag on it. Because I'm also almost out if you want to have a break. But we, uh, how, many, only how many more do we two, have? Two, two more left. Two left. Yeah. yeah. Probably get one more. Then. We should probably get one more then. <laughs> yeah, give, give us five minutes, uh, okay. I'm just going to go grab another bottle. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. The vermin swarm giant. Uh, yes. What, what did you think to the big sneaker version of the vermin giant? I mean, that one seems uh, definitely 
like also quite cool but I, I like the idea of him just exploding when he dies but then he I mean other than that it's just a normal giant it's a very morbid uh, yeah tendency there I just like the idea of him exploding yeah More big. I mean I, I think the thing I like is I like things in a vermin's form where like you know something big happens like a lot of hits like 2d6 toxic hits but they also hit you you know like that part I like about it yeah but big sneaker gives him poison attacks yeah, it's pretty cool. And like the fact that he's distracting and our target is, is like, especially from the fact that his biggest issue is probably shooting before he gets to combat. Yeah. So that, that's actually quite good. I think it's quite good as well. Another crazy, cool ass new ability. <laughs> Arnie, who Very doesn't good. need it. Why are we even giving this any further encouragement? I don't know. Henry's like, in my tournament, all giants will be equally accepted. Uh, you commit to Nerdcon, Casimir? Uh, in the it's in October. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, that one I'll come to. So what he's saying yeah, is, bring a fucking rat giant because yeah, you, you it's can, OP. I'm gonna allow the giants, and you can ruin a whole bunch of people's days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's gonna be awesome. But you can also take giant helix. Yeah, I can take normal giants, balanced, balanced giants. They're gonna get fucking wizard upgrades. Wizard. Mm. What? What's the What's the other one? Is a wizard? What? Uh, is there another another one that you can take with warriors? Travel war spear. Uh, yeah, it's the war spear. Yeah, the war spear is fucking insane. It goes yeah, with the a war unit. Is so good. Yeah, a unit that gets fucking their ass kicked and he runs away basically immediately. Don't fight stuff that you're gonna get run away from. <laughs> I mean, I have to. I've realized that I need. I've actually, I've actually kind of decided that maybe what I need for my army is a whole bunch of like uh, barbarian chieftains. I've been yeah, telling you to put the barbarian chieftains in the white in the war spear unit. Not just there. I think that they should <laughs> just be in a lot of places. Like they're they're pretty. They're not that expensive. For what they can do. You give them a spear, yeah. you give them a shield, you, you give yeah. them heavy armor, they get a free per save. And you, give them, and you give them the trophy rack. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I, I, so I you saw... Can tro like, you can I put trophy racks much. all around your army with the, with the barbarian chief, and you just be like, trophy rack, trophy rack, trophy rack, trophy rack, trophy rack. <laughs> trophy rack. Just all get all them, the combat rest. Just get them everywhere. Give them, give them some legion banners. And just fucking let them party. Legion banners. Yeah. Legion banners quite nice, because cause you have the giant... You fill out six models, so yeah. your your normally your max combat res for ranks is plus three, but Legion Banner gives you plus one. So let's say yeah. you have like forty barbarians, five wide, eight deep. You have a, a barbarian chief who's your BSB who has the Legion Banner. I can't have a BSB. You can't have a BSB. No. But with a trophy rack, you I can take trophy. banners. Yeah. I can have yeah. trophy rack. Yeah. So yeah, kind of so part. let's say let's say you give your unit a Legion Banner. Yeah, but it doesn't count. It trophy rack doesn't count as a banner in the. No, 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 it doesn't matter. So your 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 unit has a legion banner. So the legion banner is like naught to three, so you can take three of them, or whatever. I don't know what it is, but you can have multiple of them. So your unit has the legion banner. That means its combat res can be four for ranks. So so long as you have four ranks after the first, you get plus four rank bonus. But because you have like five by eight, you have like all the ranks in the world. And you have a giant as well, so that gives you six extra. 
So you don't need four by eight, you just need like, whatever, the six less than what you yeah, need. Yeah, but don't we want to go eight wide so that we so, can... Yeah, well, this is just, this smoosh. is, this is, this is, if you go eight wide... Great you go weapons. Eight, eight wide, wide, you go for attacks, not combat res. So I, I played against the, the Barbarian Death Star at one tournament when we went to Bath in, in England, and it was actually really powerful where you have like just a big spear unit for Barbarians, and then he had a giant in it. How, how wide did he go, Chessman? on the units. How wide? Uh, sorry? How wide did he run it? I think he played them seven, so he would still get rank bonus, yeah. but attacks. And then yeah. he had like three Barbarian Chieftains in the unit. Three? And they're actually... Sorry? Three? Three, yeah. So, so they're, they're, they're actually they're they're really powerful because because they're, they're so cheap, and you give them a spear, and they have base strength five, so now they go up in AP yeah, with a spear. Attacks. Yeah, so AP two, and then they also get uh, battle focus and hatred because they're in the barbarian unit. Yeah, exactly. They get hatred, and yeah, they get battle focus instead of battle fury because yeah. they're in a unit yeah. with battle Over fury. Into, yeah, that no, sounds okay, really good. So yeah, as I as I was saying, just to teach Alex a little bit of ninth age. So you put the legion banner in the unit, and that gives you plus one combat res. So you get your three ranks combat res, and if you have a fourth rank, you get plus four combat res. So then you have a banner in the unit that's five combat res. If then you, then you give a guy with a trophy rack another legion banner, so then you get plus five combat res. So you're going in static six combat res before you even attack. It works really well with things like skeletons, where you can have a BSB with two legion banners and then a skeleton with one legion banner. So you just have a train of skeletons and you just get like static eight. Works you just really. try to make people flee all the time. Yeah, exactly. It was just standard. Because my right. biggest problem the last time that I played was that with the, because um, I had barbarians with spears yep. and the giant. Yeah. And the biggest problem for me was that um, the biggest problem was that you got charged by swordmasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also, but they basically is you get you you eat you eat a shitload of barbarians, of, of barbarians yeah. in the first round, yeah. no matter what. So you're counting like 50, it was like 15 fucking dudes get, get killed. Two, two plus two plus with like 20 attacks. Right. Yeah. But if they've all got, if if all of a sudden we've got, if we've got 40 in the unit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And they've got great weapons and we've got however many ranks of attacks. Yeah. Then smashy smashy baby. Yeah, exactly. Let's crush them, right? Like it's okay, fine. You got fifteen, I got fucking twenty, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah. and if I put that's, that's the that's the idea. And yeah. if I put and if I put a giant one, and three barbarians in there, then a giant and three chieftains yeah. in there, then you're gonna get <laughs> poop jobs are good in, <laughs> right? And I and I happen to have just bought a whole bunch of barbarian fucking <laughs> chieftain style characters, so why not? Why not? Try this move out. Thank you, Casimir, for the strategic suggestion. Pete's gonna eat some turds the next time we play. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not, because he's playing fucking high elves again. <laughs> okay, so the next giant on the list is love, the love you, Pete. <laughs> is the ancient giant from the Undying Dynasties. Yeah, so Casim so Casimir, it makes sense that you uh, talk about this one. Yeah, yeah. So I read it now in our, our break, and the, I don't think the story is that great because it doesn't really, like, it doesn't give anything new. It's like, oh, the the giant is is a big mummy or something, and it's it's like guarding the king's coffer. You're like, okay, okay well, I mean, that's like everything else in the dynasties. Yeah, I I didn't really like this 
that much either. I was just thinking like, duh, 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 like the whole yeah, yeah, exactly. time through this, but. That's kind of the yeah. whole. That was the whole theme of the the UD book that they released so far. It's it's, it's everything is like that already. Yeah. And, and this one is just like, oh, it's a big mummy. But I mean, we already have a giant in the yeah, book. So I, I actually don't see why they made in, this one. In, in my in my notes, I wrote, "Did they forget the bone giant?" <laughs> yeah. And so, I, mean, I guess in the like in the current book, that it, the idea there is that the giant is more, more of like a stone construct than an like actual skeleton giant. Yeah. But, but what about still, the like, abilities? You know, it, it fulfills the same role. Are there not are there not new abilities that do something different? Yeah, they're completely different. You got the chariot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this this one this one is pretty shit though. Like you you can be happy to, to know that this one is not that great. The chariot is adding quite cool. impact hits to yeah, a giant the chariot is pretty is cool, but it's, it's not very good. I don't think. I, I just I don't think it's as good as the normal bone giant. Yeah, exactly. Like the normal giant is a lot better. Like I don't see your, why you would take this basically. But but I think it's just more like a modeling thing. Like it's yeah. just a chariot yeah. that's pulled by a giant instead of pulled by horses. But like what about yeah. sepulchral fucking guard, lethal strike, yeah, that, magic attack, poison attacks. Yeah. Yeah, that one is is okay. But, but uh, as as I said before, like the regular bone giant is better. Okay. Yeah, like basically, so basically, what the what you usually do with the regular giant is that you give him paired weapons, and he does like a lot more damage than this giant would do. Yeah. Uh, the the, so. the regular the regular maybe because Alex obviously has never played against the regular bone giant. Maybe you could just quickly explain to him what it does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so the, it starts out with like seven attacks just base what and then so you roll those seven attacks and then you think it's done no then it has d3 grind attacks as well so that's like it's what? like another d3 automatic hits and all of this is at strength six and then if it's an infantry unit then you get to stomp as well so you roll another d6 so you add those attacks on so like usually if you put a giant into a, a infantry unit and it survives until it can get to attack it just pumps out like 10 wounds or something yeah. Uh, so what's the downside? Uh, the downside is that it, it's uh, quite slow in uh, agility, and it uh, so it's relatively like it's relatively easy to kill before it gets a strike if it goes into like an elite unit. But if it goes into a, a, a bad unit, then it like for example, if it charges swordmasters, it just dies before it gets a strike. And the same thing with like a warrior unit with a character, then you probably kill it before it gets to hit. But if you go into like empire or vermin swarm or something, it just like deletes infantry. Yeah, it's, it's really it's really good against infantry. It's like it's pretty good against cavalry because it's strength six, AP three, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's, it's it's undead as well, so it doesn't crumble that much because it's a construct. Yeah, like the the only real issue is that it like it's toughness six, so it's pretty re- it's, or resilient it's, it's, six. It's what six, Casimir? Re- re- resilience. I never said anything else. <laughs> Drink. <cunt. laughs> so so it's pretty resilient, but. It's still like it's still on that edge where if something is strength four, then uh, then it like it just doesn't die. But if something is strength five and it has like a decent amount of attacks, then it just kind of keels over pretty fast. If like at least it like if it's taking a hit from shooting a magic and it goes into a strength five or strength six unit, then it probably dies before it gets to strike because it has like a guilty one. Or I think. Okay, yeah, it's it's really slow. That's that's the yeah. downside. You guys ready for the sass? Yeah, do it. 
So here's here's the, here's from from the, from this Al, from Al's sassy Al's sass corner. Sass corner. Um, what the fuck? This fucking this fucking army gets a second giant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the only thing I've been saying this whole time is all of these armies that are already OP and crazy. Now they get a giant, and they don't even give a Warriors of the Dark Gods a second giant. And they give these fucks a second giant <laughs> after all that shit you just told me about the giant you've already got, which is way better than basically the, all the other giants. Like, so in summary, the normal undead giant or, or uh, tomb king giant, but bone giant, bone giant makes like sixteen or twenty six attacks or something like that. Tomb kings? What's tomb kings? Tomb I don't know. Whatever drink. it is. Oh, is, is that what this? Definitely not what they're called. Yeah, but is that the Games Workshop name or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Undying Dynasty. Undying Dynasty. My bad. Anyway, fuck this shit. Undying <laughs> Dynasty. So you get, so you get like, uh, I can pick between the the giant that does eight bajillion fucking attack moves of various types: grind attacks, stomp attacks, seven regular attacks. Like, fuck everybody attacks. And then, oh, now I can have one that's got a chariot ability. Oh, that's cool. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Give me a giant demon, for fuck's sake. Dude, you can take a Feldrak. Dude, I know I can take a Feldrak. Feldrak's is fucking good. I want a, I want a new giant. <laughs> we all know I like giants. Give me a giant I can put in a warrior block. Let's have a good time. <laughs> There's, right. a re- there's a reason why you can't do that. Yeah, because it would, because it would it would make Warriors of the Dark Gods equal to the other armies in this game. I, I, I love I love how sassy you are. It's already already I love it. Oh my god, I love it. Oh my Absolutely god, absolutely love it. I should seriously I should seriously start start sassing the sass out of this place, man. Oh my god. No, but I mean, in, in broad strokes, I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't see why this is a thing. And like, to, if you go to the discussion on the uh, on the UD forum, it's basically like all, all the discussion is very much like, oh, we got a shitty giant. Why we? Why did we get a shitty giant? And you're like, okay. Well, I, I mean, it's fun. Like, I, I, the the idea of the giant being a chariot is it is pretty fun, but. Uh, but yeah, it, like it, like they could have uh, spent more time on the other ones, I guess. Yeah. Meh. So so so, the last giant is is the corpse giant for Vampire Covenant. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think th- this is it. this is probably like the the story is weak. I think here. You think? Yeah, because they don't. Ah, I don't is, feel. I don't feel like. This is where they, you're missing it. I don't feel like they really actually talked about the giant the whole time. They talked about they talked about the person who might make the giant. Ah, wait. So you, you maybe you missed something. Maybe. Let me let me just read it for you. Okay. So so the the peasants saying like okay so the the two the the, drag, the the giant came like from between the tombstones. It was really angry. I saw its face just before it bit old Helga's leg off. And then basically what happened is. It says, it seems the ancient protector of the town, a giant, had died centuries past, and the simple village folk had buried him in the town's cemetery with full honours. The young duke, in the first year of his reign, looked bored, blah, blah, blah. So basically, what happened is, 
the kingdom of Equitain Giant that was knighted had been buried. Prod. Prod. Prod, Prod had been buried. And then he got raised again. Our main man Prod. Our main man Prod. Yeah, no, fuck man. He got raised by the necromancer. Oh, I did not put that together. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's cool. Like at the at the end, if you read the last sentence, so it was that the quest to avenge and save the soul of Sir Prodigious did commence. Oh yeah. shit! And that's what I was talking about. Is like the thing at the yeah. end where maybe you oh, get it. My main man Prod just fucking came back. Came back to life. It's an un, well, uh, unlife. Just oh, like right. Jesus. Yeah, just like Jesus. Or undeath. He, he came back. He undeathed. He was an Amish. Do, do Amish believe in Jesus? Probably do. Yeah, for sure. Pretty sure, pretty sure. Yeah, they're like hardcore into that stuff. They're religious types. Yeah, so, so Prod the Amish, he came back as a, as a corpse giant. So here's a question I've got. If you're undead, right? Yeah. Um, and you come back to life, and you need to like kick ass again as like an ex-giant knight. Do you like? You do not get Swiss Drive. No, no. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Do you <laughs> do you pull your rotting your rotting wooden horse out of the ground with you? And no, because you, you don't have Swiss Drive. So start popping along like I'm doing it again. Clop, 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 clop. Look with, at with my your, undead with horse with your coconut coconuts. Oh yeah, just, what the what the vampire does is he puts like a little ghast on his shoulder who just has coconuts. Who's just. <laughs> There's like one zombie in charge of doing the coconuts for the giant. Yeah, uh, you don't want a zombie. That that's gonna be too slow and unrhythmic, you know. Isn't it? <laughs> it'd, it'd be cool. Uh, or like well, one of those barrow guards or something. Somebody with a little bit of coordination. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so let's scroll down to the um, skills, if it's okay. Yeah, go for it. I actually quite like these uh, these ones as well. Like you can have like a ghoul giant. Yeah. So what's unholy appetite do? So unholy appetite is the rules that the ghouls get. So basically, after you've caused a wound in combat, in the next round you get to reroll to hit. So it's basically like mm. the ghouls are like, okay, we're we're starting to feed, so now we're hungry, and now we're gonna feed. So it basically means that it rerolls the hit in the second round of combat if it causes a wound in the first. And then every in, successful, in those, yeah, every su- successive round yeah. if they cause a wound. As soon, if it causes a wound, it gets to reroll to hit in the next round. So if okay, and it, so with ghouls, if you cause one wound, ghouls Gu- are fucking broken because they have poison attacks. So if they get to reroll to hit. Then they're like reroll to hit, and all the sixes are automatic wounds. So it's like fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's broken. <laughs> I would say <laughs> another another thing for you to get sassy about if you want to. Oh, I've, we've already played. <laughs> we've already played that. Yeah, I don't need. I don't need to bring it up in this. Okay, you want to talk about it? Okay. What the fuck is up with ghouls, man? For starters. I don't like how how you can have like AP zero though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You don't need armor penetration when every hit counts as a wound. <laughs> or every, every six. One, every six, s- one of the six hits. Yeah, yeah. The way you roll. 
It's, it's more like the way you roll other saves, bro. <laughs> Not with my new dice. My new dice are dope. I haven't, I haven't seen your new dice yet. Yeah, I, I roll against Pete with them. Yeah, I've not, not played against them yet. Yeah, yeah, but you saw them. Yeah, I saw them. They were much better than mine. <laughs> what I need to do now is I need to roll. I bought new dice at game, uh, not at, at Games Workshop, at um, at Pharaoh's Cigar here, Casimir. Yeah. And um, they're dope. So I, I must say, I must say, I must they roll say at least normal. Uh, Alex, Alex is not very good at rolling dice. Like I would say. <laughs> Out of anyone who I know, Alex is probably the the worst at rolling dice out of anyone who I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Over, I mean, we've we probably had two or three games together, and um, this is my this is the way of the fates punishing me because my kid was born uh, perfectly normal. <laughs> I, I would take that. <laughs> so so yeah, I'm ta- I am taking it. It's like he's a perfectly normal kid, so now I get to roll shit in my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'll trade it. I'll trade yeah, it. Alex is like proficient at rolling dice really badly, and uh, I was like, I was because he's rolling my dice, so I was like, okay, you got to get your own dice, you know. And uh, apparently now he's got his good dice, so he's like rolling a little bit better. I bought I bought thirty dice from from Pharaoh Cigar, and I had not rolled them a single time until I came to play against Pete, and then what? And then we started playing, and everything was like. I swear to God, like, uh, there would be some ones and twos, but it was mostly three, threes and up. And so it'd be like threes and fours, and then like at least a couple of five sixes, no matter what I was rolling, uh, which is like abnormal for me. And then, um, and then that was great until I had to roll fucking leadership check. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome. And then, and then, I, was, and then I was terrified. I was like, oh God. Who, who, Here we go. Where's we go. Henry's dice? <laughs> Henry, where are your dice? Oh, I can't find them. All right, I'll roll, I'll use mine. No, I just <laughs> I was ruined, ruined. I tell you. Uh, that, I mean, that's literally a thing, though. Like, we usually I I roll like really well when I have to roll like five pluses and stuff like that. Like shooting with uh, undead, where you always hit on five and stuff. Yeah. But then leaderships, like that's that's the best part of playing undead. You don't need to roll any leadership. Any what, Casimir? Oh, fuck. That's why it's so hard. Discipline. Those are, so to me, it's like the the thing I fail the most is when I have to roll like a, like a test to reform and stuff like that. Like tests that are, you know, like you wouldn't think about them that much. But then suddenly they come up and you're like, oh, shit, I need to actually make this on a seven. Like, because I don't have a good general. <laughs> you want to know what's funny is that I said leadership and I, I've never played Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> Because because it actually is, in my opinion, the right word. Do you want some more of this? Yeah. I, I don't see why they changed that one, to be honest. It's, it's just to differentiate. Yeah. Maybe legal IP, etc., etc. Yeah. So so that was the, the giant supplement. I mean, we, we got there in the end. <laughs> Only took us a couple minutes. <laughs> so so what is your like overall impressions i i think it's really cool um i'm looking forward to playing some tournaments where there's a lot of random giants that i can kill with my uh dragon <laughs> and uh pew pew them off which is going to be a lot of fun because that's what yeah. high elves do switch where they blow up in your face <laughs> yeah the, the vermin swarm one I'm, I'm not looking forward to playing again no the distracting one. I would the, love the, the toxic one. 
Oh, uh, the explorer. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like you just like wherever you put the units of cavalry, you just like run the giant as fast as you can in that <laughs> the direction. Other direction. <laughs> I would love to see like a a virulent bomb. Have you you guys know that from uh, Dragon Age? No. So like yeah. in Dragon Age, there's um, a magic class that you can get uh, called blood magic. Okay. And it's like illegal, so you got to go find a a a badass dude to like learn it from for your mage yeah but if you get it you can get the spell called uh virulent bomb which means that like um you cast this thing called blood bomb which is like a nor- uh, the basic spell which is that you cast it on a, a character and if they have less than a certain amount of their percentage hp left they blow up and they do damage to everyone around them and virulent bomb is everyone that they hit that also dies also blows up <laughs> So you can be like, blaf, blaf. So it can just be this like crazy cascade of like death bomb explosions, which um, would be amazing yeah, in this game. This should be in the new uh, Vermis form. Uh, no, it should be per- it's perfect for chaos in my opinion. <laughs> it's an awesome chaos ability or spell. Which, which unit would you give to give it to in the chaos? In the, war- in the warrior's army, chaos, drink. Uh, I just drank twice. Okay. Drink again, come on. Three times. Mm. Which Sorry. which unit would you give it to? Which would make sense? Um, just give it as a hereditary spell <laughs> <laughs> to, nice. cho- to chosen lords. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, while we're here, should we maybe you want to talk about the vermin swarm guidelines, Casman? Uh, yeah, sure. Like. Uh... Uh, they can go through it a little bit briefly or like touch on some highlights I mean I, I've not read it and I'm 100% sure that Alex hasn't seen it or read it no but, that, okay, but I, I have a general idea so so maybe you yeah. want to take us through it okay uh, so I think that like it is similar to like some of it is quite similar to what it, like the old games so, Workshop just, just to get the context maybe you should introduce it because Alex has no idea what we're fucking talking about Okay, so so now when they when they design the armies now, uh, b- before they start the process, they like release the like kind of guidelines on the concept of the army. So like you know, in the fluff, how should this work? Like what should you well, like when these people are designing the army? What should they try to achieve? Like what should they focus on? Is this an army that's elite or is it? Uh, horde army stuff like that. Like uh, how does their technique like technology work? Uh, like how much shooting do they have what's their magic like stuff like this so the old uh, Ver- vermin swarm army that uh, back in games workshop days was very much like a mad scientist uh, rat army where every like all the rats were quite like low leadership and low quality but they used this like, kind of crazy technology that could like blow up in their faces to achieve like to win that done a lot of bodies that was kind of what it's like and some of that has stayed in the sense that there's, uh, they still say that you know, the, the technology should be quite volatile, that it should be random. But uh, for example, uh, that part was interesting to me because they said, uh, for example, that uh, in the Vermisform army, the technology and the weapons should be random as in that they have a chance of failure, but the design team should try to make this not be compensated by increasing their power. So in, instead of having a weapon that like some Sometimes is amazing and sometimes sucks. It should always, it should be sometimes it works like normal or it just uh, blows up in your face, and that should be compensated instead by it being cheaper. 
So, so they're going to make it more random, you think? So, so, I, so I think they're aiming to make it more random than it is now, but not random in the sense that, like my impression from reading this is that not random in the sense that you, you know, if you roll a six, you win. More like if you roll a one, then you shoot your own dudes, for example. <laughs> okay. And, okay. And I like that. And then, like you, you just compensate that by making it cheaper, essentially. So, so the vermin they should be a bit more cheaper, but a bit more random. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is something. This is a theme for all the uh, like the other parts as well. That like all the units should try to be worse, but be cheaper, so it'd be more you know viable to field loads and loads of uh, models. I'm, I'm sensing then, some sass from Alex. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me. So, so one thing that's super interesting is that they they want to connect this to the to the idea of like that these are like a successor state to a kind of Roman Empire. So they talk about how the characters should have like a bureaucratic or political feel to them where they can like dispense leadership, for example, but they suck at everything else. So if you have a guy who like gives a high leadership, he sucks at fighting, for example. And you have many of these different small characters that do something really well, but nothing else well. So they can also be quite kind of cheap and you end up having a lot of them. I think like, okay. Oh, sorry. Just yeah. to, just to jump in for a hot uh, second, I think the the thing that's totally like that like the the mark that's totally missed there is that like uh, yeah, like a Roman bureaucrat would be great at politicking and terrible at war for the most part. Although they have a history of soldiers that were great at politics, um, yeah. but like you're not gonna bring a fucking bureaucrat to the battlefield, right? Like. <laughs> All of the Roman soldiers and the Roman leaders were generally very, very good at what they did, right? Even if you had like a general who was like a, a like a fairly bad total leader, all the th- the the way that they mitigated somebody who was shitty at the top is that they had the leadership hierarchy that is like common now with even the military today right which has basically been reflected with essentially like your centurion who's in charge of like what is a hundred men and then uh i don't remember the names of the different uh sort of like but it's basically like captains lieutenants and sergeants and all this stuff like they built the entire structural hierarchy so that no one idiot could ruin the roman legion right like the system is still so strong even if there's one weak point yeah that anyway that's my so, so, go ahead though sorry so, so this is the interesting part because the idea like the theme of the vermis form that they want to have is that they should kind of act like a human army so what they mean there is like kind of like a roman army but in a kind of twisted or like perverted way in the sense that they you know they try to do the same thing but they don't really do it that well so, so that's kind of part of it, right? Where mm. they, they try to mimic the structure, but then it's kind of inherently flawed because they, you know, they're not like the same thing. They're just trying to mimic it. I got you. Okay, okay. There's an irony. So, so there's an have, irony in there. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And that's a theme that runs through the the whole like all the guidelines. It seems like is this this idea that they like the, the, you know, they're trying to be the abreast of old, but they're not really quite reaching it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and the, it, that's kind of the same. If you go to them to the technology, where they like they try to make these machines work, but they're also like pretty flawed at the same time. So sometimes, like when they work, they work fine. Like when the leadership works, it's great. But when it goes bad, like somebody backstabs or whatever, 
then uh, then suddenly everything breaks down and that's terrible. Yeah. So 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 then, I'm 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 sensing like more random shit going on. Yeah. And I, I think so. And like less less eliteness. I think the I think the vermin demon was maybe exactly. the biggest change. Yes, so, so that one, uh, they had very specific uh, guidelines for the vermin demon. So right now, it's like a, a monster that's like fucking crazy. It's probably probably the, the best, best monster in the game. The best single model in the game. Yeah, so it's like 850 points. It has like an Aegis save. It's a, it's a great caster, and it's also great in combat. So it like does everything, and it's great at leadership. And what they've said is that the price should be no higher than 500 points. Yeah, so right uh, now it's like a thousand points. Yeah, eight, yeah, eight fifty, I think. Yeah, but how cheap are like are like regular units? Quite cheap, right? Yeah, reasonably yeah, cheap. Yeah, they are reasonably cheap. Like they're they're definitely cheap, but uh, right now in the current book they're like at least seen as being too too expensive. Like you don't see a lot of lots of rats. Like the really good lists usually have like uh, small units of rats to keep your characters in, and then like elite units to fight. So the so the so the vermin swarm doesn't have much of a swarm right now. Yeah, it's more of like elite I, I elite mean, models yeah. supported by the units that hold them. Well, I mean, yeah. in, instead of balancing that, like, isn't one way to balance that out to just change the re- the requirements of the the different the sections, like core special yeah. monsters, right? Like, just saying you have to have this much core or whatever. Yeah, like, I think so. That was how they used, like, if you, we go way back in an old, uh, like, Skaven Games Workshop army book, and what they had this rule where essentially uh, it was called, like, a mainstay unit, and that, what it meant was that to take an elite unit, you needed to have at least that many, like, normal rat units to be able to have, like, uh, for example, you wanted to have three war machines, then they were like, okay, you need to have three units of just rats. Yeah, so you have to keep building the swarm... To have the funky stuff, stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I'm not sure how they're going to implement it, but that, that's also something that they, they seem to be trying to allude to the fact that you, they want you to take big units. That were like it should be incentivized to take uh, big units of at, shitty infantry. At least they're aware of it, right? Yeah. But I also, it makes sense if the idea is that you have a bunch of backfire abilities, then having a bunch of a whole lot of cheap units that are essentially expendable makes it not as punishing for you as a player to have such ran- such a level of randomization, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can eat it without being like, okay, so all of my core is gone, so I don't know, so now I just have a few special units left because I had everything blow up in my face three turns yeah. in a row, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's, it's, that's kind of what I, like, my personal view of what I would like to have it kind of fits that very well where like a lot of models but also these weapons that like you know sometimes they work sometimes they go bad but you know what it also says uh, that they don't want the go bad part to be like oh you can't shoot but it should be more like are oh, you like shoot your own dude so they explode killing things nearby like it should be more affecting your army than just affecting the weapon okay that makes sense as well yeah, and the last thing I'd like to bring up, which is, is quite interesting, was that they talked about this idea of a cohort structure in the armor army. Yeah. So that you would have like small like groups of units that would be cohorts, and inside a cohort you might have like a 
like a leader, like a veteran that would be, in my mind, that would be maybe a unit champion or something. And he makes like that cohort act more independently from the general. But if he dies then, for example, you lose the leadership benefits. So this would allow you to play the army more wide where you would have like groups of units that can interact independently from the center. But if something goes wrong there, then suddenly that breaks down. So you have some kind of risk reward, but also the ability to not just castle up in the middle. That, that's quite a cool idea. Yeah. So I, I think this could work like, as you said, like a unit champion is nominated as like the veteran. He maybe gets an extra hit point. And then um, he can be like the general. Yeah, exactly. For like for like a set, like maybe you could like pick four units for to be in his cohorts, like well, a like, unit of yeah. rats, maybe a weapon, and maybe a specialist unit or something. Yeah, like, and they like, together act. like him, him, his unit, and his weapon team. Yeah. Yeah. So they seem to be to, to be wanting to connect the, the like the weapon teams and the uh, like the two the toys more to the units instead of them being completely independent from the like big units. So, so the question is, will you be buying loads of Roman shields and stuff to convert your rats to Roman rats? Uh, probably not. I have so many. Like, I have so much rats. <laughs> like, I used to... I, I played I played uh, Skaven all through 7th edition and you, half you, of 8th edition. You played what? No, no, I played Skaven back then. Through 7th edition, oh. he literally put it in into <laughs> oh, technicality. <laughs> I say it's, re- it's reasonable. Yeah, I've played rats for for so long. I've like I've accumulated so much uh, so much stuff. I just haven't used it that much in Knife Edge because it, it hasn't appealed to me that much because it's just like the, the, when they made them like to me like this is kind of sound really salty but like my view of what happened was that people who didn't really appreciate like <laughs> the fun of playing a random army got into control of designing the random army and they're like oh random is not fun let's remove all of that to make everything really generic and you're just like okay well they just like they removed like the the feeling of playing uh, the vermin swarm just disappeared because like look at the weapon teams like before when you played eighth edition you could have like a uh, like a flame for like blow up but when it blew up it like ran into your own unit first, like it ran in a random direction and then blew up and killed whatever was close to it. Whereas now it's like, oh, if you roll, you know, if you roll a misfire, it just die, like it just disappears or it can't shoot this turn. Yeah, but that, that's kind of like the ninth age removing some of the random elements. Yeah, no, I mean, I I understand that like on a, a broad spectrum, but I think like the the feel like it doesn't feel any diff like that much different from playing another like a uh, kind of infantry and shooting army like uh, empire or something when you remove that from the vermin swarm but what, what would you prefer sorry what what would you prefer what would it prefer in, in what sense well w- would you prefer it was like more random or Back to yeah, random. But I, I think, like, like I, I think I wanted to be more random, but in a like I guess um, it sounds counterintuitive, but in a controlled manner. Like I, I like the idea of your weapon working kind of okay normally, and then you say now I want to overcharge it. But if you overcharge it, then there's a drawback that is more than just oh you can't overcharge again because that's what it's like right now. If you yeah. overcharge a dreadmill. The only drawback is that you might not be able to overcharge it again, and that that's not fun. Whereas if you have something like, if you have the Gatling gun, 
and you shoot it, and it, normally it, it shoots like a normal volley gun, but then you're like, I want to add another dice, but then if you misfire when that happens, then it, something terrible happens to, to it or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I quite like the old the old one where you... Um, it's like, okay, I'm going to add one more dice, and if it's a double, I misfire. It's like, okay, I'm going to yeah. add one more dice. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to oh, add one man. more dice. <laughs> Like that was my favorite thing. I used to play as many as I could, and then I would like what I would get really drunk, and I watched my friend's face when I just kept rolling dice. And I, think I, never came to, I never came to six, but I have. I rolled five dice at once, and I didn't misfire. And I was like, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I don't know if you know the old rule, Alex. No, no. So, so basically, it was like a, a war machine. Do you, do you get double hits, one or double shots with the dice roll? Uh, no, no, it was just a bit, but way back, it, it used to be, you didn't really need to roll to hit, you only rolled, like, whatever you rolled was hits. Yeah, exactly, so, so, you roll, you roll uh, 2d6, and then if you wanted, you could choose to roll another dice. So this is the number of hits you get. Mm. So you roll 2d6, so say it's 7, like a 3 and a 4. Yeah. So, okay, um, if you roll another dice, that adds to the hits. But if you roll a double, it misfires. So you can choose to add as many dice as you like, but if you misfire, you misfire. But so, you add the dice before you roll. So let's let's say you roll your no, two no, you, you, you roll the first two dice, and yeah. then you see their, their you see, results, you see the and result. then you get to decide. Then you get to decide. So let's say you roll like a one and a five. Six hits, okay. I roll another dice, you get three. It's like, okay. I can roll another dice and get more hits, or I can like I can just keep these hits and not get a misfire. So, but if at, you roll at, like at a, any point, if one of those dice is, is a, a double, double, a double, you misfire. You misfire. Yeah, it jams and blows up or something. Ah. I, I like I really like that rule. I think it should I think it should come back. I I think that was quite cool. It's a hilarious gamble. Yeah, but so uh, once the misfire happens. It's only that it jams at that point. All the other existing hits count. No, no, no. It just jumps. Everything goes to shit. Everything goes to shit, yeah. So all of yes. your... Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Dude, how are we drinking this wine so quickly? <laughs> um, the bottles that you bought yeah. are smaller. But, they're small, but, they're small mean, bottles. Yeah. I think the I thing mean, is that if, you, if, you've been, if you've been stuck inside for months not drinking... <laughs> Uh, and suddenly you like get... all, all my models are built like all my beer is drank <laughs> all my beer is drank yeah, all your wine all is drank all my wine is drank like I've literally got nothing left on my painter table <laughs> yeah now you have to just paint nice. you I actually have painting. to paint shit now <laughs> actually what we need to do is find out what I'm going to do with these blood warriors ah because because I've I've got so Casimir I've got this dilemma right okay so I've got 10 Blood Warriors, yeah. and there are these like weapon and shield characters uh, that I ordered, China cast characters I ordered. And the models yeah. are actually cast really, really well. Like they're really nice, and I feel like I should use them. But obviously I have sword and board warriors, and I don't need just 10 dudes that don't look like the normal sword and board warriors. So I have 10 guys that like uh, look real different than everything else and I'm kind of like what do I do with them right you could use them as uh, the fallen 
props? Uh, you've already got some fallen now. Well, you, I ordered. Order uh, I ordered ten fallen. Um, that are like GW version. The Forsaken. No. Yeah, they're called Forsaken or whatever. Yeah, or, I'm not sure yeah, they're yeah. calling GW yeah. names, but. Yeah. But anyway, I just ordered ten of them, but. Um, so I have them. So like, I guess I could like make a mismatch, a mishmash of both of these. But then, but you're never gonna have 20, 20 fallen. No. In your I army. mean, like I, I think you shouldn't be afraid to to mix and match a little bit because units can like actually look quite good when they have those, like different types of models in them. Like you get a, like they look a lot more varied. As long as you just paint them the same way, then they usually tie together anyway. Okay. I mean, like that's, that's something which uh, I've I've also been trying to do with uh, with my warriors and other projects is to like not be afraid to to like like take some different companies and put them in the same unit, for example. Yeah, but like for example, like my GW warriors that are sword and board with the magnets on the shields and all that. Like yeah. those guys have cloaks and like it's really fucking obvious they're all in the exact same yeah, pose and shit. Like I can't just suddenly stick these blood warriors in there. So no, I I mean the blood warriors I would I would probably uh, play them as uh, uh, as additional uh, pair weapons instead. Okay, so I should like because because they have the little buckler shield right that kind of looks yeah. like a, as if it's a paired weapon. Yeah, like it's got stabby bits on it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, but it's ten guys, right? Like that's the problem is it's ten guys. So it's like I can mix them with no one, <laughs> right? Like well, you just get more, dude. I could. It's like yeah. I mean, I could get more of them, and then it's like. <laughs> I mean, it, ten warriors could be can be useful though. Like uh, like you might want to like in some lists you want to just have a small unit of scoring dudes. Like it's it's not gonna be unheard of to play them. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like I I can't if I can't see how I can put them in my list right now. I don't want to build and paint them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Is there because I want to get can... I want to get to I want to get to a playable list as quickly as possible. So yeah. spending my time painting ten blood warriors, uh, that are just like potentially dual weapon, dual weapon warriors that are a group of ten. Don't have a lot. Of, it doesn't have a lot of motivation for me. No, I see. I mean, if you already have, like, if you already have chosen warriors and fallen, then it's it's gonna be a little bit hard to, to find a, a use, I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe I. I mean, I. The thing is, I've also just glued their legs and torsos together, so yeah. I I could just like get a bunch of weird mutant stuff and turn them into. Uh, what are they called? Fallen ones or um, yeah, wretched ones. Yeah, yeah. For sure. something yeah, like that. Or you or those literally like just glue um, tentacles and. Or who are those like warriors that turn into wretched ones? Uh, Forsworn. Oh, 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 I should yeah. I should make them that. I should make them Forsworn. That's what yeah. I should do. Cause like a cause like a squad of uh, like a like a, a small squad of Forsworn. Not bad. Yeah, exactly. Like there's definitely. Uh, I've heard of uh, people taking like you can take units of free force one that have that uh, you know the, that's uh, there's the damnation rule that when they break yeah they, uh, they turn, turn into the small yeah exactly and I think those are quite good to have a start because then you know you put them in front of somebody's unit 
they have to kill them, and then after they kill them, you turn them into wretched ones and place that in the way, and then they have to waste another turn killing them, so you can really, you know, block somebody up for a while. Yeah, and wretched ones have this, that ability that they get to attack even if they die. Yeah, exactly. So no matter yeah, what, exactly. if you so, if so you smash them be before they attack, and then they turn into wretched ones, and you smash them before they attack, then you're still getting, you're still getting them in your face, like for grind attacks, which is pretty good. Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make them. I'm gonna make them force one. Then they can just be built just as they are. Yeah, and you just put them on the big base. Yeah. Smart idea. Cool. I have ten of them, so I mean. Yeah, I think I think they're they're quite like bulky as well, so they should fit no problem. I think if you if you add yeah. like you should get with the the forsaken pack, mm -hmm. you should probably get a few mutations as well, like more than you need. Yeah. So all you need to do yeah. is like cut the cut the arm off at the elbow and just add the, like a, a tentacle or like a weird arm or even like a head swap. Mm. And then that will look really good as like a mutation, and that will look a little bit better as like a force one than anything. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, the, the, I I use the uh, minotaur conversions that I have as the force one. Okay. And I just like smash my doom lord on the floor. But yeah, what what broke on? Uh, the nose horn. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. off the top. Can, I can't find it. You can mod it. Yeah, I can just I can green stuff it. Worst comes to worst, but. Still kind of, still looks, still looks like a. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, as you were talking, Casimir, I dropped my new Doom Lord on the floor from Mercia. <laughs> They're <bright>. Yep. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. The, no the nose horn broke off and I can't find it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great it's to here somewhere. that kind of stuff oh. when you're a liver tipsy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's on the floor somewhere. You'll yeah. find it. He's so massive yeah like uh, I converted it a little bit like uh, he's supposed to have the, the it's on a 40 yeah his halberd like in two hands but I like twisted the hand so he's holding it in one hand and I'm gonna buy like a like a, a 54 millimeter model shield for him yeah so he has like a big shield and a big halberd because obviously get him like a big Greek circle shield yeah exactly like his special rule is that he can use a great weapon in one hand yeah nice. yep. so that's that's the idea but now I've lost it. That's pretty cool. Bit annoying. Uh, maybe it will turn up. But yeah, so um, I think we'll stop it there. It's been uh, yep. a big long episode. Sassy episode. <laughs> Sassy episode. So, uh, so Alex, uh, do you want to end with any more sass? Um, you know, honestly, I think I've... S I've sassed Sass, my sassed yourself out. I've sassed myself out. If I was gonna say anything, sassy owl. That was sassy. It's like, how dare they give giants to everyone else? <laughs> how dare they? There's a reason why we 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 who have the giants in our armies have them. It's because we suffer in many other ways, right? <laughs> And you're taking a bunch of OP armies and just giving them giants on top of it. Like, what a fucking shitbag plan. <laughs> now, I get it's an April Fool's joke, but now people are taking it seriously. I mean, Henry, you're letting people do it in, in your tournament. So now, it's this is how things become normal. You know? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, that's about all I have to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> you got any more stuff to uh, bring to the table? 
No, I think the giant supplement is really balanced and good. <laughs> uh, so, so which giant are we going to see from you? The vermin giant or the dwarf giant? Like, I, the, the problem with the vermin giant is that there's no model I can like that comes to mind that I want to buy and, and make into it. But, but you can so, literally so make like, any, any, mod, any giant model and just like bloat it and make it like the toxic giant. Yeah, that's true. Like maybe, yeah, maybe there's like some kind of plague-like thing that I can get. I can, I, I can build you one. I have a giant that I would probably put in my dwarf army because I'm already making the whole guardians out of like ogres, so it would kind of fit the theme a little bit. Okay, cool. So you, you, like these, it's kind of the all these mercenaries that like it's a very like dogs of war type of uh, dwarf army. That's, I guess the idea. Cool. So you're actually using the over tribesmen or no it's a uh, I, f- I think oh, I have them as a box I'll show you it. I'll t- send you a picture later but it's these like really old Games Workshop ogres from like the you know uh, like early the, 90s like the, or something the old chaos ogres or the old mercenary ogres uh, like old mercenary ogres I think awesome cool yeah so so what what would you what would you consider using for your giant so uh, to me, I, I want to use the. I have the old six edition metal giant, who's like quite small. You know, so I think he would fit for the dwarf giant because he's like compared to models nowadays, he's actually not that big. You just, so you just need to give him like a big iron shield and some armor. I think I would uh, give him two axes. Like currently, he has like he has one hand. Like the the way I built him before, he has one hand that's free and one with like a club. So if I just give him two like dwarf-looking axes and then paint them like with tattoos and shit, maybe give him a big crest or something. Yeah. Airbrush. So you know, seventy-five, so you're seventy-five gonna, you're seekers and one big seeker. You're actually gonna make the seeker giant. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I want to have 75 Seekers, so I need a Seeker Giant, obviously. <laughs> Just for the 76th Seeker. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, also, obviously, the two Seeker characters, if you can yeah, squeeze it in. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, I, don't, I don't know about me, I think if, if I'm going to build a, a Giant, I'm probably going to build one for the VC, so like a Corpse Giant. Yeah, I think that one is the one that really makes sense. Like, that one fits very well. Yeah. There's, there's a cool one from uh, Minis and Printers. If you look in the night scroll, you can see a nice image. Oh. I just think like a Frankenstein A. Yeah, exactly. Like so and so. Mixture be. of all the body parts and stuff. I think you could actually, with your sculpting skills, you could actually buy, it would be expensive, but like several giants and then just like hack <laughs> them up. Stitch them together. Stitch them together. <laughs> I, I, can, I can build one from scratch, maybe. That might be. A lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, thanks, Casimir, for coming on. Thanks, Alex, for joining us. Pleasure. Yeah, of course. Um, if you want to get in touch with the podcast and send us emails about our sassiness or our bullshit, you can send us <laughs> emails to amatimedk at gmail.com. Um, if you want to talk shit about some dwarves and explain to us why we're wrong for hating them, you can also send us emails. And uh, I think Alex has a little bit more sass just to end with. Just want to say that I, you guys have been um, telling me I should start uh, a blog, a hobby blog, yeah. on the Ninth Age forum, and and I've been taking lots and lots of pictures of my progress as I go. I've been trying to remember to take. Uh, pictures so that I can kind of make a like a little sort of 
start to finish for each of my units. And um, I'm just about ready to start um, making my hobby blog. It's just every time that I sit down to do it, I decide to paint instead. Um, Not the worst problem. But I have gotten all the images off my phone and are there on my computer now. So I'm ready to basically start making it on the Ninth Age forum. And Henry, you sent me a link uh, and some instructions on how I can start doing that. So um, my... Uh, promise to you guys uh, after several bottles of wine and many beers <laughs> is that before the next podcast you will have a hobby blog I will have started my hobby blog awesome and it will be visually available for people to shit talk about <laughs> after the next podcast so so look for look for Alex's hobby blog on the user blogs page on yeah. the Mouth Age forum yeah that's right <laughs> I think I'm my I think my handle is Atomical on it or Atomic yeah. Al you should you should change it to Sassy Al <laughs> I should can I do that can I just change my login name probably if, if not I can find a way alright you know what guy nice all right, Casimir. Thanks, Cas. All right. Talk see you guys later. See you soon, bro.